talking about the classic and epic episode original song. Um, today I have with me R.B., um, who is C. Kerouac Hi. on Tumblr. Um, Alien is coming back, and uh, Snarky Hag. Yo. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to the original song podcast. Oh. Um, before we jump in to Misery, um, do we want to talk a little bit about the rest of the episode first, just to kind of touch on that? I mean, if we well, have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't want to mention and talk about Trouty Mouth just for a second. <laughs> I was just going to say that I didn't, I didn't rewatch it. I rewatched that, um, Singing Glee recap from Jim Cantaliano. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which we can all sing by heart. I mean, come on. I know. Yeah, yeah. I'll For the five of you that haven't seen it. <laughs> I'll post it today and I'll tag you all in it because it's too funny. Oh, that's good. It's an amazing work of art. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, there's a couple things. There's the original songs themselves. I mean, Trouty Mouth and, and Big Ass Hearts. And- Hell to the No! Hell to no. <laughs> Everybody's favorite only child. <laughs> oh, God. That makes me laugh every time I watch it. I mean, I hope that uh, we all had tissues ready when we listened to Only Child because <laughs> it's so moving. And, you know, it, it may produce tears, and we would not be surprised if it produced tears. <laughs> because she is the only berry on her family tree. Oh, that's my favorite part. <laughs> It's I mean, so as much as I think that the song iPod. is dumb, that's a, fun, that's a great line. <laughs> I love the look on Finn's face during it, too. He, <laughs> he is trying, man. He is, he is trying to have his I'm interested face on that's really only communicating with, really? He tries. I mean, bless him. He tries. I think my favorite Rachel songs are um, the first time she does Don't Rain on My Parade in season one. Then Run, Joey, Run, then Only Child, <laughs> then My Headband. 
And the rest of them are just like kind of boring ballads unless she's singing with somebody else. Run, Joey, Run is a classic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's amazing in its ridiculousness. Her best ever. And, I mean, you have all the guys in there, and you have Brittany and Santana as Twisted Little Angels, and it's wonderful, and it's one of, it's one of my favorite You can't favorite just numbers. listen to it. You need to watch it. You can't just listen to it. It's just, you yep. need the full oh, yeah. experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not something the part, that holds up just on the radio. You need the visual of it. Yeah. yeah. That part with Sandy Ryerson when he's dancing with the gun and the overalls. Oh, God, Just yeah. before the, ca- the ketchup. <laughs> oh, the ketchup. <laughs> anyway. It sorry, is, we're off track. Uh, I already did it. We're already <laughs> okay. It's two minutes in the podcast. We're not already talking about Run, Joey, Run. Yeah. Okay. But, um, no, I just, I love the line where Finn says, or Rachel's like, it's called my, uh, only child. And he's like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> well, it follows in the grand tradition of Glee being very subtle about things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? In case you weren't aware that her repeating only child, only child, I'm the only child. Why did my dad make me the only child? Because I'm an only child. If you didn't catch that it was only child, we wanted to make sure that you understood that it was titled only child. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, the original songs. Um, and then another favorite part of this episode, which just makes this one of my favorite episodes ever, um, the the judges panel. I, I don't think that um, – I don't really like the judges panel most of the time. I think they're kind of dumb. But this one, you know, has the, uh, a nun, stripper turned nun in it. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I don't like being pandered. I didn't even like being pandered to when I was a, a stripper. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that this judging panel was hilarious, but I do think that it highlights one of the problems that Glee falls into, which is mm. um, trying to stick too much, trying to go too deep into oh, pop yeah. culture. Because as I was rewatching it, you know, the Kathy Griffin character, who's you know, I am not a witch, I'm a tea partier. Um, this is what I was trying to do. If you weren't around when that was happening, it makes no sense. You're yeah, like, I don't, I don't. Why are you talking about why you're a witch? And as somebody who is incredible, I'm incredibly politically active. I've worked in politics before. I've, you know, done that. And for the life of me, I cannot remember that that politician's name. Which Sarah is, Palin. No, that wasn't Sarah Palin. <laughs> no, oh. no, it's Christine something. I, like, I literally cannot remember Christine, her name. Um, but she was a Delaware oh, politician. God. And she really did have an ad that was, I am not a witch. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, no, oh, it's not yeah. based on Sarah Palin. Oh, I thought it was. That's why. Hmm. No, it's it's a very specific politician, but it it's a joke that doesn't hold up because if you weren't around for it, mm. it doesn't make sense. And I think that well, Glee does that funny. a lot. So I think yeah. that that's that's a highlight for it. Instead of using broad, ridiculous themes, it mm. goes way too specific. That if you're watching it on the first airing, you're like, oh my god, this is hilarious. But on recap, if you don't remember the cultural context, you're like, um, okay, that's funny, I guess. Yeah. Unlike I the also, nun, who a stripper being a nun is always funny. It <laughs> it's is. always funny. But it's also interesting because, like, you know, that joke, that I'm not a witch joke, is really funny if you are in a particular age group. Yeah. But if you aren't, if you're a general audience member, which I guess they had them at this point, who was like, there's so much that you don't get. I really feel like so much of Glee was just pointed at, like, if you were about 30 or so when yeah. Glee was airing, 
you got everything because it was a little bit older and a little bit younger than your experience. And so I just can't like they do so much like and when they do those highly specific jokes, they're they're funny, but you're right. They don't really last. Well, we should uh, um, not to put you on the spot, Alien, but what do you think about like because you're from Germany and there's a lot of Americanisms in here. Have you ever I, I guess what your what is your opinion on that? I don't know. I think <laughs> when you're not part of that specific culture, you're just kind of used to laughing at it anyway because you just assume it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I never really got that that reference. It's just it's obviously supposed to be funny, so I was always laughing, but I don't really know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the way she delivers it too. I am not a witch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. It's just a catchy little tune. Um, I mean, so. I hate to say it. I mean, I enjoyed that number. Of course it's <laughs> it was. Standard. It's a ridiculous number, but I thought that they danced really well to it. <laughs> I, I love it when they have the third option be a totally batshit crazy group. 100%. That's, that's my favorite kind. Because you know they're not going to win. So it might as well be... Remember those people that had, like, birds with them? Oh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There are people on roller skates at one point too. I mean, I I completely agree. We should make it as ridiculous as possible because and why would why would you waste that bit of time that you have and not be ridiculous? And also, like if you if you take yourself out of the experience of knowing the Warblers and you just saw that Razor Glass performance, they would be an equally ridiculous group because <laughs> they're dressed all fancy. They're behaving like idiots. Right, like it is one hundred percent one of my favorite numbers, and for those sorts of reasons, they're because well, they they are ridiculous prep school boys. They're singing you know like out of control with his face. Of course, <laughs> I was like, "What is razor glass?" And I'm like, "Oh, razor glass." <laughs> you know, that would add an entirely different angle to the song. What is razor glass? <laughs> oh all of a all of a sudden, we've gone dark. <laughs> Which would fit into, like, I mean, we had that time in random that was serial killer Blaine. Oh, my God. Oh, it, really you know could, what I, it really could be named Razor Glass, and he I could be going after the audience. A dark oh. joke that it comes after candles. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go there, I promise. Okay. <sighs> well, I mean, he okay. cuts the power, and then he pulls out the Razor Glass, and then he has to play <laughs> with the entire audience, and welcome back. The serial killer Blaine. <laughs> <Can you> write <laughs> that. <laughs> if anybody's looking for fic ideas, raise it <laughs> Okay, so uh, you know what's kind of funny though. That's kind of the rest of the episode. I think the only other part is the stuff with Quinn and and um, her prom queen aspirations, yeah. which uh, whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it's kind of an interesting. There's not a whole lot going on in this episode as much as it's stuffed full of things, you know. Well, I'm kind of glad there's not a lot going on with this episode because the things that were happening in this episode are so like distracting for me because I can't. I was like, oh, oh, things are happening, and then like I needed a boring scene so I could like recover, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't put me on this roller coaster. What are you doing? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that it also, as much as it played into ugly weakness with the um, very highly culturally uh, and time period specific 
um, judges, I think that it also really succeeded well with not overstuffing the episode, which Glee has a habit of doing at some points, where it's like, I really right. love the A story and the B story and the C story, and hey, let's throw in a D story just because we want to. And it's like, <laughs> this yeah. is a little much. Let's pull mm -hmm. it back to an A and a B story. And I think that when it does that, it does it a lot better. And this is a good example of them not trying to overstuff the episode so that what is happening gets full and adequate attention. Yeah, right. That's true. Well, and, and the competition episodes especially um, get way overstuffed, oh, yeah. um, especially in later seasons. So yeah. this is one I really like. I don't actually like a lot of the competition episodes, to be honest with you, but this well, one kind of pointless. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we spend an entire season going, "Hey, we really should pick out songs for this competition." Hey, guys, we haven't picked out songs for this competition. You know, what we should really do. We should pick out songs for this competition. And then it turns out to be like five minutes before the competition, and all of a sudden they have costumes and a set. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I mean, five minutes of, of, of rehearsal time is plenty, isn't it? I mean, five minutes. How long is the song even? <laughs> Imagine <laughs> how good they could be if they actually trained for the time that most schools train. Yeah, and it's especially funny because like they spend all this time talking about like who's going to sing in the competition. Look, I can Rachel. tell you right now, <laughs> Rachel. Yeah, <laughs> unless it's a very special "Let's Teach Rachel a Lesson" episode. Yeah, uh. I mean, literally, the answer to that question is always it's Rachel. Who's going to yeah. sing in the competition, Rachel? You know who Rachel should duet with, Rachel? Yeah, and then Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, if this had been a science fiction show, they would have cloned Rachel so that they could have an entire <laughs> choir of Rachel, and then they would have fought each other fight club style to be the ultimate Rachel. Actually, Are I'm you talking, talking about Blaine still? <laughs> still feels like you're talking about Blaine. <laughs> he is the prep school version of that. And but his... now I want that show. Can someone make that show? Just... I know. <laughs> I would totally watch that show. Yeah. Arby, I love you. How much coffee did you have today? Um, it's not coffee. It's, I'd like to put in a plug for this, it's hard seltzer. Hard seltzer, if, okay. If anybody's looking for alcoholic bubbly water, may I recommend White Claw? So I'm just going to throw that out. <laughs> and now that we're back from these messages, let's talk about Clayne. <laughs> anyway, I'm so sorry. I have to cut out my laughing. Um... <laughs> Let's talk about the happiest unhappy song ever, Misery. <laughs> we open, and in comes Blaine with a blaze of papers everywhere, and this song just, it cracks me up. This song is about being miserable, but it is in a major key, and it's very happy and bouncy, and I'm like... <laughs> They're having the best time with it. Except well, for... Blaine song uh, that, you know, if you listen to the lyrics, it's so, like, I can really fit it to Blaine's character, especially, like, he should be singing this in season four. Uh, well, <laughs> the thing is that, like, we're still in the part where Blaine's singing his emotions, but he doesn't realize he's doing it yet. You know, so we have this song where Blaine is singing, and it's applicable to Clayne. It is. He just hasn't figured that out yet because I don't understand how he's such an idiot at this point, but he's still like an incredible idiot. So he keeps expressing all these things and sending all these signals, but it's like his brain doesn't realize that he's doing it yet. Cause every time the songs would come out, you know, the songs would get leaked a little bit ahead of time and you'd be like, Oh, well this is definitely 100% like they got to be together now. No, not mm -hmm. this episode. Mm -hmm. Okay. But with this song, I mean, come on, they've got to be no, not with this episode. And so it just, like, builds this 
whole huge repertoire of, you know, inappropriate song choice blame, which in retrospect is appropriate. It's like he's just the last person to get it. There's a, yeah, there's a line here. I'm looking at the lyrics. It says, it's not what I didn't feel. It's what I didn't show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, blame. My favorite, but my favorite part of the song is Kurt's nope attitude to it. Yeah. Like, nah, I'm done with this. Screw these papers. This is ridiculous. I'm done with this. (laughs) I am am giving you the shit eye through the entire thing. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. I love Judgy Kurt. Also, Dalton's hard. He has to do his homework. Get your shit out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's in the quiet room. He's working on something with Nick or Jeff or, I don't know, I can't, I'm having a hard time visualizing which one of them. But, like, they're clearly working on something, probably a stupid group project or whatever. And then in comes Kool-Aid Man to, like, <laughs> burst in, and he's throwing papers, and he's talking about all these emotions, and Kurt's just like, like, well, and let's take a, like, a second. It's like, stop singing romantic songs at me. Just, you have to, you have to stop. <laughs> yeah, that, I, um, just kind of looking at the art to this point, though, I mean, that, you know, first, uh, you know, Blaine has a thing for a guy at the Gap, and then he makes out with Rachel, and then he's trying to teach Kurt how to be sexy, and it's not working, and so Kurt, yeah, is just so done. He's like, this is it, I, you know, I love you, Blaine, but you're driving me up the freaking wall. Yeah. His done, his done face is a work of art. Yes. And, and every time it happens, whether he's in the choir room at McKinley, or at Dalton, or in the, in the lima bean, his done face, he cannot, he cannot hide his emotion. No. He's, he's totally unsuccessful at hiding it. It's, it's amazing when he doesn't get any lines at all, and that's the case quite a lot in those early seasons. And he just, the camera just, just, it's on his face, and you can just tell what he's thinking, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, even through this whole number, the warblers are dancing and singing. He really doesn't have much of a part in it, but he's all I can remember. Yeah. Well, and it seems like they also picked this song, even though it fits Blaine more. Um, I, you know, here's Kurt kind of in misery himself. He's just like, oh, yeah, God, it's why? Yeah, it's like, geez, thanks for pointing it out, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am in misery. I, Thank you for noticing. Yeah. I think my favorite moment during this whole thing, though, I mean, the, the beginning when he's just done with the papers is hilarious. But when um, they're sitting on that bench and Kurt's trying to ignore him and Blaine just gets all up in his face. Yeah. <laughs> he's like... On his shoulder. He's pretty much in his lap. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like love you. I mean, it's great. I love hugging you as a friend. I love yeah. sitting on your lap as a friend. I love yeah. draping myself over you and singing in your face as a friend. <laughs> like, mm, Blaine, really? Really? <laughs> yeah, we're just, and you, you know, we're bros being bros. It's like, mm. You never see him want that level of attention from anyone else. No. True. At all. In any any other point in this series. Which, it makes me wonder, I wonder if Plain subconsciously um, doing, overdoing it a little bit because Kurt isn't paying attention to him. He's kind of needy puppy. Uh, kind of? Yeah. You know, just ever so slightly, you know, on occasion. But it's like, you know, hey, I'm going to get into your lap and why, why aren't you paying attention to me? Why aren't you paying attention to me? Why aren't you paying attention to me? Kurt, pay attention to me. Doesn't he also, when he's in his lap and on his shoulder, is he batting his eyelashes at him, too? Yeah. Subtle. He's subtle. He's he's pulling out every flirt trick 
even though he's, you know, just bros being bros. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, bros oh, bat their eyelashes at each other. Of course they okay. do. Okay, of course. I'm time. having, I have to pause, I'll come back. It's okay, keep going. Okay. <laughs> okay. Alright. Hopefully she will be back. Yeah. Or let us know. Okay. Because she's, she's at work, so every time somebody, like, comes in, she has to stop, poor girl. <laughs> okay. Oh, that whole being uh, a responsible adult thing. I know, I don't understand it's that. Weird. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have a question for you guys. Um, when you listen to the song, do you ever pound on furniture? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course. It's part of the song. It would be like yeah. not singing the chorus. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I also might shimmy along with it, because how do you not dance to it? I don't know. <laughs> it's such an upbeat, miserable song. I know. I just can't get over the similarity of that. <laughs> Like I said, it speaks to Blaine's character as, you know, somebody who's, you know, people talk about the possibility of him suffering depression and, and yet still being this very bubbly, outgoing, wannabe happy person. So yeah, I think it's also, he has, Blaine has a lot of feelings, but he just, he isn't really very in touch with them. <laughs> he has emotions. It's just an emotion, whatever it is. He's right. feeling something. Let's sing. Yay. Right. Yeah. He is he is a he is a well of emotion. Yeah. And it just keeps just keeps tilting over. Yep. <laughs> but I also want to know where the rest of the students in this school is. Because yeah. in oh, the God, middle yeah. of the school day, one, why are yep. they not in class? And, and two teachers? why yep, why are teachers. there all of these empty hallways? <laughs> like shouldn't there be other students doing work Something. or going to class or extracurriculars? But, like, it really does, but it does go into the theory that it's just a magical land. It's, you know, gay Hogwarts. Mm. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they all get into, like, all, they all stop what they're doing and dance around with Blaine during this whole thing. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I'd do that, too. Yeah, I would, too. I'm sorry. (laughs) If he busted into the room that I was with and be like, yeah, totally, I'm dancing with you. I'm down there. (laughs) I might not know all the steps, but I'm pretty sure that magic the magic of television would lead me to automatically know these steps and fall in yep. behind with you as one of your pips. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, then we get the little, the ending part of the scene, which is, you know, Kurt has a, Kurt found a Burberry-esque little cover for Pavarotti, which makes me wonder, was Pavarotti not feeling well? Before this, I mean, like, well, because he was saying that you know they don't like to be cold, so he was using it as like Pavarotti's jacket. Okay. Which my knowledge of birds is limited to what he says they get cold. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just I'm just wondering. It must be dark in that cage. Like, I don't know. Doesn't the bird want any light, or does he have a lamp? Or I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of a little bird lamp in the yeah. corner. You know, he set up his own little, um, the dollhouse version of Kurt's own vanity in there so that Pavarotti <laughs> can do his skincare routine and has the yeah. lamp and is able to see everything. And that's that's my mental image of that. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I, um, somebody, some, one of the, the nannies uh, gave me, we, I was doing that one of those meme things, and somebody asked, you know, would Kurt and Blaine have pets? And I'm like, Blaine would, like, want 8,000 of them. Kurt wouldn't want any, except for the one that he has, and he would pamper the heck out of it. 
<laughs> I kind of feel like Blaine would be the one who, like, accidentally walked past a pet adoption fair and ends up with, like, I got four dogs. And he's <laughs> like, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> and, like, they're all looking at him with sad eyes, and Blaine is also looking at him with sad eyes, and so he blends. Like, fine, I, don't know I, guess I, I can keep it. I got this image of Blaine from, you know, the camera above Blaine with these dogs and everybody has wide eyes looking up. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, God, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I would I would watch that show, too. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, did we get that show? I want that show. <laughs> Animals. <laughs> oh. Did you guys see that? Isn't there a, a movie coming out where it's just animals? I've, all I've seen is the commercial where these animals are singing in sing. their cars. It's, it's Sing, yeah. I'm like, is there a plot to this movie? Or okay, so the plot to the movie is that <laughs> it's basically if animals did America's Got Talent. Oh, or okay. like The Voice or something. And so they're trying to raise money for the communities. So one of the critters decides, like, let's hold a singing competition. And then you have all these critters who do a singing competition. So you have, you know, a bison singing Lady Gaga, because of course. Because of course. And that that, that will be on your Christmas movie list. <laughs> Probably. I'm just like, oh, it's just a bunch of singing. I want to see this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so kind of the point. Oh, hold on just a second. Didn't... I thought I heard something. Okay, sorry. Um, kind of going back to the point of this uh, episode, or the scene, though, is uh, kind of, it's an interesting shift where Blaine is no longer on this pedestal for Kurt, and he's pretty open about being like, look, I like singing solos too. You get them all. It's kind of frustrating. You know, the Blaine and the Pips line. And Blaine, he, you know, he's he's kind of like shocked a little bit, but also... You know, there's a little bit of, oh, this person is actually being honest to me about things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we get the kind of shift of Blaine's feelings, because it's no longer, you know, everybody, you know, Kurt sucking up to him or whatever. It's, you know, real honesty time here. I thought that it was also a really great um, mirror to how Rachel handles those sorts of things, because people have told her on many an occasion, you sing all of the solos, but it doesn't seem to make her feel like other people should take a turn. Whereas mm-hmm. Blaine, you know, Kurt came out with his, like, you sing all of the solos, that's not fair. And it results in him going, well, sure, other people should sing, like you, with me. Yeah, I mean, um, Blaine just wants to make art and help people, so he probably wasn't aware that he wasn't actually helping by singing all the solos, but that mm-hmm. maybe other people want them too. Right. Mm. Even if he then uh, just wanted to use it as an excuse to uh, practice. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna get to that part. <laughs> Not that I'm excited about that part or anything. What? What? No. What part is this? Like an important episode or something? I kind of, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's it's kind of meh. Meh. We'll we'll get to it eventually. So. All right, so the next part, let's see what I'm, I've got the actual Netflix episode up, so I'm going to skim through this real quick. Ooh. Um, I think it's just the, the only child thing is next. Uh, all right, hopefully this won't start playing. Oh, it is. Hold on. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Ah. 
Um, yeah, the only child stuff. And then Quinn's weird prom queen stuff. Okay. Um, yep, yeah, so the next scene we get, and I love, I don't know where I saw this, but it was, um, it was, um, somebody saying, like, literal Disney princess Kurt Hummel as he is whistling with his bird. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I've never thought about like that, but now that's going to be all I think about. <laughs> I, go, I can totally see Pavarotti, like, dressing him in the morning. And <laughs> see, but I'd also like to see Pavarotti, like, helping him change the oil in his car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I kind, now I have the mental image of, like, during the summer, Kurt working at his dad's tire shop and whistling and getting all of the woodland creatures of Lima to come and help him <laughs> fix the car. That's another show. Have the squirrels change a tire. Have a, have a bird fix the oil. That's funny. I think it would be a it would be a quality episode. Yeah, I would watch it. <laughs> Again, all of these episodes I would watch. Yeah, <laughs> all the fanfic I would read. Come on, guys, <laughs> we've given you so much material. <laughs> I feel like we there should be a special hashtag. There should be a special hashtag that's like, have you been inspired by something ridiculous said on TVD podcast? Hashtag it <laughs> this so that we can find it. <laughs> so, okay. Well, yeah, no, let's talk about the death of this bird. I mean, he just keels over. What in the world? <laughs> like, that bird Kurt is done. Kurt stroke. I suspect foul play. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Oh, I should be not allowed to make puns. Okay. <laughs> so the bird dies. And he's very sad about this bird it's dying. very sad. It affects it him. Very deeply. Well, okay, I will say this on a serious note, because we, we've been really jokey. Um, on a serious note, uh, Kurt does feel things very deeply. And, like, the death of his bird, I mean, most people, like, whatever, he has a pet, but... Kurt really, really had a lot of love for this little bird, and and I feel like that gets uh, Kurt's empathy and strong feelings. I think get overlooked. I think people kind of like, you know, take face value of his cold exterior and and not really give him as much credit as I think they should. Well, Kurt really gets yeah, attached to things. I mean, he's experienced a lot of loss, and so much more than a lot of kids his age, he recognizes the value of something being there because it could very easily not be there tomorrow. And so he gets attached to people, he gets attached to his father, and he gets attached to this bird. And then the bird's not there, and so he's upset about it, and understandably so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I also think his his, um, cold exterior is really an exterior because he's been hurt a lot, and I think he's just a little afraid maybe to show his feelings a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't really think he's cold. I know he's been, he's been portrayed as very cold, especially in a lot of early fanfic, but I, I really don't see him being actually cold on the inside. It's, it's a front, I think. No, he's definitely I, got a candy-coated exterior hiding a soft nougaty interior. I mean, exactly. you, you chip past it a little bit, and it's, he has just as many feelings as Blaine does. Blaine mm-hmm. just lets the... Um, lets the feelings tip over the cup quite a bit more easily than Kurt does. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, like, Kurt will, a lot of, like, if he's judgy about something, or if he's upset about something, or if he's happy about something, oh, okay, Mr. Chuck, please <laughs> talk to me. 
Um, he, he shows them outwardly. I mean, I think Kurt is on his sleeve a little more than Blaine is in some respects, but the deeper feelings is vice versa. You know, Blaine is, you know, loving something. You're going to see his our hard eyes from space, but Kurt keeps it buried. Oh, and yeah. I think this kind of commentary now is, is something I wanted to touch upon here because when we get into season four and season five and people are like, Kurt doesn't love Blaine. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, <laughs> this is just how he is. And, and, and yeah, he, he just you know, feels things way below the surface and he doesn't like to be vulnerable. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think, I think Kurt really, he, he shows all of his, like, don't mess with me feelings. He shows those a lot, like, to protect himself, I guess. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Blaine is a lot quicker to show happiness. I mean... Yeah, there's, there's much less of a risk of Kurt showing irritation or condescension or any of these feelings that he can keep somebody at arm's length for, there's yeah. a, there's a lot exactly. less risk for him to express those feelings with once he shows that he's vulnerable, he's holding his heart out, and based on his history, it's quite likely that it's going to get smashed. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is why we see him way closed off in season four, and even in season five. Mm-hmm. It, it's just who he is, and it doesn't mean that he's stopped caring for Blaine or whatever. It just means... He's not going to show it. Right. So. But, yeah, back to Blackbird, where he comes in, and he's just very visibly upset. And this is one of Kurt's pretty cries. Yeah. Everybody yeah. loves Kurt crying. He's a pretty crier. Yeah. Yep. Oh, also you know what we skipped over, because I'm following my Kurt notes and not the whole thing. Um, it's the whole conversation the Warblers have before Kurt gets there. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite scenes. Because it is, it is so awesome. utterly, utterly ridiculous. <laughs> it is so great. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. It's so, so funny. Uh, I said, why don't we have red blazers with blue piping? <laughs> <laughs> this is a kangaroo court. <laughs> <laughs> I want Thad to come back because he says it in an earlier episode, but he's like, you mock us, sir. Oh. Uh, I mean, they could, they could have built an entire web series off of the Warblers, and I would yeah, have watched that. that. I mean, yes. just have, like, ten-minute episodes. I would have fangirled that so hard because all of them... Dalton is a ridiculous, magical place, and I would love to it live is. there a little bit more. It is. Yeah. Um, uh, David line, um, when they're talking about... I don't know what they were talking about that set him off, but he's like, why don't we just play it on kazoos? <laughs> oh, was that when he was uh, talking about him not, him not having all the solos? Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. In a, in, oh, I'm oh, skipping... Yeah, next, yeah. Never mind. I'm skipping ahead. Uh, but no, the, the Warblers get these such ridiculous lines, but they're so funny because they take themselves so seriously. And it's interesting. I don't think they pulled it off as well in season six. I think maybe it was just this group of actors or just that RAB was writing it solely, but uh, it, it was just every time the Warblers have a scene together, they're just so ridiculous and amazing and hilarious. Season two Warblers remind me very much of season one McKinley with the everything yeah. is ridiculous. Everything is over the top. And you just kind of buy it, because that's the world that they've presented, and I totally get it. So, mm-hmm. of course, you're going to have, you mock us, sir, types of conversations about your costumes, which I think is something that 
glee lost as it went on through the years and tried to go into more of a realistic feel and realistic mm-hmm. issues instead of being like, of course you're going to fight over your blazers and declare that these are kangaroo courts. Mm-hmm. And so I, I will give credit to um, season five's line of plot twist, Lyman doesn't have a zoo, why did we think it did? Okay, that is a classic line. <laughs> that, I, that is a classic line. I didn't even watch those episodes, but that is a classic line. <laughs> and one of my and favorite that's gifts. Really, that's really what Lee was really good at, and why, why you all kept watching the thing, because it was, it was just really good at that. Hmm. <laughs> um, so, going back to this scene, um, there is Something else is that Pavarotti, even though he's in only two episodes, is, has been kind of a metaphor for Kurt. And Pavarotti dying marks the end of Kurt's day at the Warblers. And um, a lot of this episode kind of brings to close the whole uh, Dalton arc. Um, the change, of course, isn't born this way, but I think that Pavarotti's death is symbolic for more than just this little bird dying. So. It also presented us with its, which is one of my favorite Kurt numbers, which is Black Yes. Yeah. This song is gorgeous. It's just beautiful. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully sung. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And he's a pretty crier. I mean, that is something that's hard to do because, I mean, myself, I look like I got beat in the face when I cry. It is not something that would ever encourage somebody to be like, oh, hard eyes, I got that. But hurt. I mean, his face is beautiful, and the tears glisten, and of course Blaine's going to fall in love with that crying face. We all fall in love with crying hurt. Matt's nervous. You've been a perfect time. Yay! <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> We're talking about Blackbird. Are we talking about pretty crying? We're talking pretty about crying. pretty crying. Oh. Did we already talk about the outfit? No, no, we haven't. Oh. Did we talk about the cassette tape? Not yet. Oh, not yet. Pretty yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, do you want to talk about the outfit then? That outfit is fucking awesome. He it looks is. amazing. There's so many layers and buckles and everything in the little secret pocket where he pulls the old-timey cassette tape because he's a kid from the 90s. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly that's Bert which makes me all emotional <laughs> when Kurt walks in it is the most beautiful morning outfit I have ever seen well yeah he probably put a lot of work into it oh my God. also I think this is also an excuse for him not to wear that blazer <laughs> yeah fuck that that outfit that blazer was not helping him the doll- but again why did none of the teachers say, why are you out of, out of uniform? <laughs> because Kurt, he's probably argued with them for a long time about this. Or the outfit was just so amazing that every teacher he walked past was like, nah, I'm going to allow it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I get it. He was so well prepared. He had the tape and everything, so he probably got special permission to wear it. <laughs> well, probably Please. that Pavarotti died because he texted. Blaine that Pavarotti's dead, so Blaine lets everybody know that Kurt's going to be late, so it's totally okay, of course. And then, <laughs> he, he, so, runway Kurt shows up in this fucking fabulous outfit. It does follow along his S&M chic that he has a oh. habit of, of pulling. 
You know what this outfit needs? Straps. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to try and contain my emotions, and I'm not going to succeed. Yeah. But there could also be, like, a zipper that's just saying, hey, unzip me. There's of course. I'm, I'm going to let my feelings out little by little as it slowly you know goes down. This, I just went to really funny place because this is about... This is about a bird, and we know how turned on Blaine gets about yeah. the birds. Oh. Watch Blaine's reaction. There's a part where he, like, shuffles around, and he totally, and somewhere there's a gift that it's like Blaine's trying to hide the boner. <laughs> there's, there's theatrical Kurt. He's in the outfits, which are delicious. He's got all this emotion. His song, his, his voice is gorgeous. He's doing the pretty cry. There's a bird thing happening. Like, this is true. It really is all of Blaine's turn on. The glistening I tears, like... the strappy outfits, and bird <laughs> sadness. Seriously. Oh, I, my I God. Was, like, big theatrical. I feel like Blaine left that Warblers meeting, went back to his dorm room, maybe, or closet, and, like, jerked off and was like, okay, let me wrap my head around this. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, do we have to do we have to now refer to this as bird boner? Like, is that oh what, is that oh what, my God. Oh, man. Even with the cassette tape, tape and Blaine loves the vintage stuff, so, like, Kurt just, like, ticked all of his fetish boxes. All <laughs> yeah, but did he, have, did he have a checklist at home? Like, what does he Blaine like? He on his just... phone. I think, Kurt, I think Kurt unknowingly is all of Blaine's fetishes. Yeah. Like, he oh. just kind of is this thing, and it just happens that, like, that he fills out, like, eight out of the ten boxes, you know? And so, yeah. again, this is this is I yearning for somebody to write a fic where Blaine makes his checklist of his top ten turn-ons, and they're all satisfied by the scene. Really? <laughs> and, like, and, like, his mental thing going, yup, birds, yup, yeah. straps, yup, yeah. tears. Oh, let I me can't stop down so you can't see what's happening inside these baggy trousers. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys, can we hold I on mean, for just a second? Oh, hold, hold on. So often, Kurt uh, explodes Blaine's brain, and he like, and he's being so perfectly himself. And when he's very much himself, that's like a really big turn on for Blaine as well. But I just feel like, you know, poor Blaine. He goes into this meeting. He has no idea what is about to happen to him. Is he not <laughs> like? The good friend who talks about paparazzi and, like, kind of make sure that he's going to maybe bring him a coffee or whatever. And then in strut, there is not another word, strut Kurt and just annihilates every possible wall that Blaine thought that he had. This is true. He reverse Kool-Aid mans him. <laughs> <laughs> he just breaks through that wall. But with sass. And Did we talk about Kurt's line being snarky? Is that what you guys were talking about? That where he's like, he's he's all in his mourning and sad, and then he's like, oh, you know, and then he throws in the barb there about, um, I know we all have to practice duopping behind Blaine. No, nope. as we say, badly. we hadn't talked about that, but I love that line. That's <laughs> also on Blaine's checklist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being snarky. <laughs> Kurt's got a snarky backbone, competitive. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to let you run all over me. And he's like, yeah, checkbox. <laughs> Both of them do. Like, when one of them is kind of, like, flirty competitive with the other, the other is like, okay, I'm all in. Oh, it's what, okay. like, that gift that was wandering around 
I guess on my dashboard and probably a lot of other people's dashboard that the them talking about the competition is like, well, why can't you win? And Blaine's like, oh no, we're not going to do that. And Kurt's like, yeah, we're going to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I like this. Yeah. Well, even that... like he had missed that. <laughs> and he was coming back, and he was like, oh yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um, something we actually brought up in the sexy podcast um, is that it's not that um, Blaine just suddenly realizes he has feelings with Kurt for for Kurt. It's that he realizes what these feelings mean. Like he's like, "Oh, I like my friend Kurt," and then it's a realization of, "Oh, my friend Kurt." Feelings. Yeah, like these are my romantic feelings, not necessarily. Oh, wait a minute, I have feelings for Kurt. Um, and I thought it was something not, that I hadn't really thought about before until we talked about it on the last mm-hmm. podcast. But I think it's very interesting now to to look at it. And I think that um, that we were uh, right in that other one. It, it just that Blaine is suddenly realizing, oh, the, these feelings, this is what this means. Well, it's like somebody yeah. walked into his brain and turned on the light. And he can yes. he can see clearly now the rain is gone. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's having that moment of, wait, Yeah, but I think see. Blaine Blaine has so many feelings, like we said earlier. He has so many feelings, and he just doesn't always care to categorize them. Like, this is a good feeling. This goes in the good right. box, and this bad feeling goes <laughs> in the other box. And it's just, either he's, yay, happy, or he's not happy. And he has happy feelings for Kurt, and that's it. I think mm. he's also very afraid of loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he feels like he has to be this wonderful thing, and that he, and he thinks he maybe wouldn't be a very good boyfriend. I, and I feel like he built up lots of reasons to say no because he seems kind of, at this point in his life, he seems kind of scared. I mean, I don't know how much you covered it in the sexy podcast, but in the sexy episode, as much as they tried to make fun of Kurt during Animal and the and the gas pains, when they're back in Kurt's room, like, it is apparent that Blaine finds him attractive. Like, yeah. you can tell yeah. that he finds Kurt very, very sexy. He mm-hmm. always has. But, you know... Oh, yeah, we, we did touch upon that a little bit in the sexy podcast, yeah. yeah. He's trying really hard to be respectful because he's a gentleman. And he's also trying very hard to, like, understand that... Like, he wants romance. He's super into romance. But he's also a teenager who's, like, you know, his hormones are going to be going crazy. And so he's trying to be, like, a little bit better than his hormones. He's trying to break that stereotype of, like... You know, gay men can't be friends because they always have to hook up. He's trying to do all these things to be, like, a better person. Which is funny because everybody, like, you know, all of fandom is screaming, Stop being a good person! (laughs) 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 You know, he's he's having that moment while Kurt is seeing it's like, Wait, oh, this is what love actually feels like. Yeah, I Mm. get it. I can put a name on it now. It's not, you know, what I felt for the Gap Boy. And it's not what I feel for these other things. This is actually love. Which now in my mind, I really want uh, Blaine to have sung the I Want to Know What Love Is. Yeah. I want you to show me. I mean, I really kind of feel like that would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. And also, I feel like, you know, he's watching Blackbird and he feels like he feels this hopefulness of like, oh, like, Maybe I can do this with Kurt. Like, maybe Kurt, like, there's a, not just that he can be good enough, but that them together could mm-hmm. be good enough mm-hmm. and strong enough. And I love that, like, they have that strong enough friendship 
to be able to, you know, actually make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Dane writes a lot of his own romance in his head. Like he is, he's, he's a real romantic, and he, I think he makes up a lot of futures for himself and then tries to act them out. Like with the Gap guy, was what was his name? Jeremiah. Uh, and and I think he just he just met this guy and he was like, oh, he is another gay guy, and made up this whole thing in his head, and then he tried to make it come true. And I think Kurt just did into his pre-written story at that point and, and so all feelings that he had just kind of I don't know, he already had a plan for for himself I think that Blaine likes to see himself you know, consciously or unconsciously as the star of his own 1940s Cary Grant movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, he's an old school romantic lead Yep. Yes. Well, we were talking a, a little bit on the, the previous podcast about how Animal isn't really that sexy of a number. It's more of like a 1950s sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, but it did um, have the foam. It did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and who, who can resist a quality prep school boy foam party? Oh, boy. <laughs> Which does sound like something that comes on late night on Cinemax. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> foam party um, seven. Uh, back to Blackbird, which I also think that we should uh, say thank you to the Beatles for bringing us one more magical moment of all of the amazing things that the Beatles have brought us yep. over decades of music. It also brought us claim. It did, and I like how, you know, well, the Beatles are prominent in Kurt's story. I mean, there's I, I Want to Hold Your Hand and um, and um, All You Need Is Love, and I'm sure I'm forgetting more, but, uh, you know, i got to get you into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I love the Beatles so that they are that them being a prominent force in, in um, Clay's story is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Can we even count silly love songs even though that's Paul McCartney? Um, sure, I'll allow it. <laughs> but um, one thing I wanted to mention about this Kurt solo though is that this is the first time, at least on screen, um, that Blaine really gets to hear Kurt sing as Kurt, and I don't really count. Um, um, uh, don't cry for me, Argentina, because uh, at the time I was talking about how that was very much a Rachel solo yeah. and it didn't fit Kurt very well. And now that I'm like, I'm sure the writers did not plan this, but I'm like, oh, that worked because in here Blaine really gets to see Kurt sing on his own as himself in this deep emotion that we all know Kurt can do, and it's much more moving than uh, Don't Cry for Me, Argentina. And oh. I mean, I, I like Blackbird. it better, but that's also because I don't, there's no Rachel on my version. <laughs> <laughs> I was disappointed when I went to listen to the song and it was like, oh, there's not like a Kurt version and a Rachel version? Right. Okay. I mean, their duets are good. Of Don't Cry From Argentina? No. Yeah, well, no, there's no like just plain yep. Kurt version. There, yes, there <gasps> is. I'll send it to you if you like. I, I, yeah, I'll do that for you. There it is. Yes. We're, we're making dreams come true right now. Oh, my God. I'm like Blaine. I'm like, woo, bong, great. <laughs> now, I love the, the end of the scene with, with uh, Blaine's hard eyes and the heart mm-hmm. behind him. It's yeah. so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. He does good hard eyes. He does. 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 He does
Well, and I love the thought process. I mean, I know, you know, deservedly so, we give a lot of acting uh, props to Chris, but let's take a second and talk about Darren and his ability. You can see his thought process in this scene. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. He's a a very talented actor with very little work with. I mean, he can can express a lot through very subtle facial expressions, which is not something that a lot of people are good at. Um, Mm. He's... It's very easy to see emotion move from start to finish on his face. Mm-hmm. Plus, his face is free to look at, so I mean, it's certainly not a struggle. Well, it's a good thing, because otherwise season three would be real boring. No, <laughs> uh, uh, well, that doesn't stop it from being very boring, but I mean... <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> I know. You guys need to bar me from... Everybody, we should make a drinking game. Every time S.O. makes a really bad joke, take a drink. <laughs> you know, it actually would be a, be a fun way to, to make a drinking game out of the podcast. Here are little bits and pieces that people who come back often repeat. Can you find them? You should take a shot. Yeah. Oh, like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to cry. Which is a shame because um, I'm not as nearly as pretty a crier as Kurt, so it's just not something we should go with. The only other thing about this scene that I wanted to mention is that I, I love going back to talking about my mom and watching the show because she, her, her observations are so hilarious to me. The um, I had actually watched this episode with her before she did her re, her whole like the watch the whole thing. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. Okay. But anyway, um, I was talking about this with my mom, watching this with my mom, and she's watching this whole thing, and she's seen the the whole episode. She knows the storyline, even though she hasn't watched this, the series. And she's like, "I get that Plain's realizing something. What is he realizing?" <laughs> like, mom, come on. <laughs> the most obvious thing ever. I know. I'm like, what? I know you're not this. Come on, mom. He's you're realizing not... what everybody else realized. Season one, episode three. all right oh and now i wish that blaine had sung the you're just too good to be true can't take my eyes off you why didn't he do that he would have been so good at that i mean come on (laughs) yeah we need to see him seven just for that add it to my list of things that it's a shame that he never sung can we have a I always wanted um, just that one song just over and over <laughs> I always wanted and this will show my age I'm slightly younger than this but I always wanted like Kurt and Santana and Brittany and Blaine to sing Eurasia's Break These Chains of Love oh my I'm god that would have been amazing oh my god right that would have been amazing especially <laughs> with Kurt and Santana on lead like that would have yes. been so good well, I mean, come on. What song did they sing in the wedding episode? It wasn't exactly a young person song. Um, well, all wedding songs are old people songs. This is yeah. true. <laughs> but I kind of love it when they do that, that are completely not age-appropriate songs for them that, like, come out of the 70s and 80s because, you know, I'm in my yeah. 30s, and I find that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Our Day Will Come, which isn't it already here, guys? But, um, yeah. And um, it sounded like a 60s... Well, they age. weren't in Ohio. They had to leave the state. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a shame. Glee got canceled a year too early, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, moving back to this, um, there's a bunch of stuff with Sue and Will. And then there's the Brittany and Santana locker scene where they get dirt dumped on them. Oh, I love that. Brittany and Santana are 
Brittany's like, I don't. I can't even remember putting that in there. Whatever she said. <laughs> I did love that scene. So, um, and then we get on to the next Warbler scene, which is all about. This is the one where, um, where he says, "Why don't we play it on kazoo?" Yes. Talk oh, yeah. about from court. Yes. Which is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Why don't you play it on kazoos? That would be awesome. That would have been fun. They could have done it. You know, <laughs> it would have fit in with the rest of the competition numbers. Like, for a show choir competition, Rachel standing there alone with a glittery microphone. Oh, gosh. But I digress. <laughs> you might as well have played it on kazoos. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch but I, I love that as Blaine is giving this speech about how um, he doesn't want all of the Warbler stuff to be about him, and Kurt's watching him, and he's just kind of, like, in amazement, and, and kind of like, holy cow, you know, like, oh, this is why I like you so much, because you, you know, you're you're not just thinking about yourself, you're really, you're listening to my criticism and trying to do something. I don't about know, it. I think it was half amazement and half, I'm not sure where this is going. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there have been times where when he was at McKinley, Rachel would start out on big speeches like that, and it ended up being even more about Rachel. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think that he's understandably hesitant, like, I mean, this is hot, and I appreciate this, but where are we going with this? Well, the last time Blaine made a big speech, he announced that he wanted to serenade someone else. Yeah. <laughs> at a gap. Exactly. At a gap of all things. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've had coffee with him twice, so obviously we're in love, and I'd get 50% off. <laughs> Which, I mean, I've done a lot of things for a discount, but I don't know. <laughs> Where's the line, honey? <laughs> Where is the line? <laughs> uh, what else would Blaine do for a discount? Which, again, should be another fix. Wearing yeah. Blaine's lime. What would Blaine do for a discount? What does he do at the lima bean? I'm sure that he has charmed one of the baristas into giving him three oh, cookies yeah. or something. More than one. And what did I he do to get that? He needs to ask for the cookies. I think that things, you know, things just happen for him. It's because he's a fucking Disney prince. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like yeah. a dog walking into the store, in the, the store. One of those, I don't know, dogs, but one of those cute ones, you know, and everyone wants to pet him, and Blaine walks into a store, and everyone's like, let me feed him, and... <laughs> Can I buy you a coffee? <laughs> no, you don't have to pay for these pants. They're a gift because they look so good on you. Thanks. Yeah. Of course uh, you need free plane tickets. Do you want to go to San Juan? I'd love to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but so you have the, the wonderful, warblers. wonderful warblers. In the, in the scene when, is it that scene when someone says, the song is not in its natural key, and the other warblers, how dare you? <laughs> Yeah, I think that was in um, um, not this one. Um, I don't know, but it's just a love song. No, maybe? no, that's in this one. It is yeah. in this one. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they're gonna because they're right before they're talking about it's at the opening of the scene, isn't it? Yeah. When they're saying yeah, it's the very beginning okay. of it. Because, oh, the Meta thing, where he's, uh, yeah, it's not in its natural uh -huh. key. Well, I think, I think he sounds even better than the other, than the original. Than the original. Yeah. Which he well, does, that's true for Teenage Dream. And Katy Perry's Teenage because Dream. Because Teenage Dream is magic. Yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't fall in love with him? Who wouldn't wander into that school, have this adorable boy singing Teenage Dream to you? Who wouldn't yeah. panty melt to that? Who I don't know. <laughs> 
all honesty, can you blame Kurt for falling in love with him? Well, he no. wandered into gay Hogwarts, and here's this cute, curly-headed boy who's like, I'm going to sing you something that'll make everything melt. You know, and, and this, this kind of goes into... Um, Clothes and winks at him, and uh, like... Grab he's winking and pointing, and, you know. That's yeah. a, it's, it's important. That, that just made me think of, like, you know, the, like... A lot of when I was doing the prom queen meta, um, a lot of it was very fairy tale imagery, which I always relate to. That's my personal meta stuff mm-hmm. on um, mm-hmm. on uh, plane. And you just gave me this image of this. You know, one day there's this sad and lonely boy, and he wanders into the forest and <laughs> finds this forbidden castle and enters in it. And you know, oh good lord, <laughs> I would read that. And he finds this prince, and you know, and uh, yeah. But you know, it's, it's also he does do the pointing, which later on we find out is an Anderson family trait. Right, yes. <laughs> because he doesn't know if he's serious because he's not pointing. Yeah. So we know that Blaine is serious because he's pointing. He's pointing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh, Cooper. Oh, Cooper. So I'm going to take, the, I'm going to, you know, people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm taking this further because then Kurt gets out of this, you know, you know, land, magical land, and he brings Blaine with him, but poor Blaine can't live in the outside world very well. <laughs> because there's not enough magic to sustain him. <laughs> he has to go back to the forest, and he takes Kurt with him. <laughs> Either that, or he pulls a whole Little Mermaid thing, and he, you know, trades something to a sea witch. And he then does. he can live in the real world. It's probably Sue. <laughs> it's probably Sue. Wait, no, but that, have you, have you guys not read that fic? That exists. Really? It does? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I read it, like, sometime in the last three or four. It's good. It's really good with Blaine as the mermaid. Oh, my God. I'll find oh, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah, I need I'll, a link. I need to read that. We need to start doing links on the bottom of my podcast yeah. notes. Like, yeah. here are all the things we discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this so. because I, I, like. I can get down with that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a great fic because, you know, Blaine, as the mermaid, he can't talk, so he just has to have his very earnest facial expressions. I'm sorry, he could make anybody fall in love with him with just his hard eyes. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty that's much, cool. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm with Tina. <laughs> I like you, Tina. I'm in love with you now. Who doesn't fall in love with Blaine? Wasn't there some meta that season four Tina was season two Kurt or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never seen that, but I, I mean, don't. I could, I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. Half the time, I'm wondering if I'm just pulling things out of my butt. No shame. <laughs> no shame. Oh, anyway, back to this scene. I lost. Uh, I lost where we were completely. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're still oh, yeah. the warblers, Kurt, and they are talking about. I'd like to do a outfit. duet. I'd like to do the duet with Kurt. Yeah. And Kurt's like, wait, wait, what? And then, you know, I give... He just announces it and everyone's, like, raising their hands. What (laughs) the fuck is going on there? Because everybody wants him to duet with Kurt. (laughs) (laughs) At least I'm not the one making bad jokes. I mean, they're probably tired of the whole, you know, will they or won't they. I mean, I get it. They want to pull a whole Sam and Diane thing, but, you know, let's go, (laughs) let's move on to will they. During this time, there were so many great fics where it was like the Warblers already thought that they were a couple, and then yeah. they announced that they're a couple, and they're like, wait, what? And I have to admit, that is one of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is one of my favorite fandom tropes. Of course, we, of course you're dating. We all knew that. Yeah. We just thought you were embarrassed to hold hands in front of us. 
because they would probably, you know, conspire to have things. It's like, hey, we should, you know, do a trust fall, and you should fall into Blaine's arms. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. like, you know, different things where they thought, it's like, oh, we'll finally get them to open up about that. And they're like, we're just, Blaine's all, we're just, you know, gal being pals. <laughs> I think I've read a fic about that. I don't know if a long time ago about how the Warblers were all trying to figure out if they were dating and they kept trying these things. And I've yeah, definitely there were a lot of those. where the Warblers were trying to, like, without telling either of them, basically trying to set them up, like putting them in romantic, like locking them in closets all the time and doing all this, you know, basically season six. Um, <laughs> because really that can't be the first time they were locked in an enclosed space together. No. <laughs> they went to a high school with a whole bunch of tricky t- teenage boys. Come on. <laughs> Somebody was locking them in something. I feel like even Bert was like, I'll just leave you two alone. Yeah. Get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Bert brings Blaine to New York yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. brings him as a Christmas present for Kurt. I mean, and is not <laughs> upset about Blaine being in Kurt's room. I'm sorry. If that was my father, that would not happen. Well, he was a little bit. I mean, he not, was, to, not to he the extent. He was a little bit surprised. It was well, not a little surprised. I'm going to walk away now, not uh uh-uh. uh. Feet on the floor, out. But, oh, in the moment. Because I'm like, later on in the episode, he does yell at Kurt about right. it. <laughs> but in the moment, I, I feel like trying... it would have been a bit more nah uh, out of bed. What? No, no, no. <laughs> well, it probably helps that Kurt wasn't in the bed, too. <laughs> this is true. But also, yeah. don't you think that Bert is like, he looks at Blaine and thinks, like, this boy needs a father. Yeah. You know, he yeah. needs some time. So I can imagine him also being like, okay, come downstairs, drink some water, here's some breakfast, you know. You know, he does kind of collect fatherless boys. He does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I never thought about because we did talk about, we have talked about um, Blaine, uh, Bert being a, a father-like figure to Blaine, but I've never thought about that as a collective, yeah. you know, as with Sam he, and with Finn and with... He's kind of the, the George Washington of of this. George Washington <laughs> to, to collect fatherless boys who needed some direction and Bert is basically collecting fatherless boys who need direction it's like no I'm I'm gonna help you I'm gonna help you yeah, I think he's mm-hmm. incapable of not taking care of someone it's just yeah. a reflex like oh you need help uh, I'm here yeah which their house me is totally the house sung, uh, a Hamilton s who lives who dies who tells your story instruction to Blake <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel like the Hudmel house was totally the one where the place where everybody ended up in the afternoons because it was the pa- it was with the parents that were the most welcoming. I thought you were going to say afterlife. I was like, wow. <laughs> we moved in some, to some lost type shit here. That's <laughs> <sighs> what happens after they sing Razor Glass. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. And then they all got back together in the afterlife, and they were able to fix the terrible things that went on in their alive life. <laughs> We can go back. We can fix this. Okay, so um, uh, the one thing I liked about um, this scene is that uh, I like that Kurt actually offers, I mean, normally, like if it was Rachel, Rachel would be like, yep, I'm doing it. Let's do this. And and Kurt does offer other people, like, you know, everybody should be singing. I mean, he's secretly excited. He wants his name on that audition list. But uh, Well, I think he's also surprised that things are working out. They don't usually work out for him. 
Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, this is actually what I wanted. Um, I can't want this too much or else it's going to go away. So we don't have to do this. Yeah. But it's like, no, yeah. this delightful, adorable, curly-headed puppy is totally into you and he's making his overture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, a, in, a, in, um, a, in a sign of respect, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I love that Blaine's trying, he's, he begins his romance by, like, extending this olive branch of respect of, like, um, credit that Kurt needs to have right. that he hasn't really gotten, and that all of the warblers are 1,000% behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Kurt again, is talented is so as fuck, and it's about time that somebody recognizes that. Yeah. Well, they don't have anyone who could make any kind of sound out of their mouth like Kurt can. No, it's true. Yeah, that's true. I just... Like I'm like bubbly. What are you talking about? Oh, his voice. <laughs> really slow today, guys. Sorry. <laughs> As Kurt blew raspberries, everybody was amazed because that was a sound they never heard before in the warbler room. <laughs> <laughs> Late on the kazoo. <laughs> Kurt, how they long don't have human girls. To... I'm saying they don't have any girls to sing high. <laughs> <laughs> they need the counter tenor. All baritone and tenor, and that you know what—it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, but you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. Once again, I'm really impressed with how subtle Blaine is with this um, cording, Kurt. It's like—it's uh, not quite all over again, but <laughs> well, you know, I think he thinks that he. Well, we'll get there. I won't say. I—I'll shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the exact oh, opposite oh. of what we need you to do, so... <laughs> I think he thinks that he missed his chance. No, I, th- oh. I think, I think, I think that's, that's why they choose candles. I think that's why he's so mm-hmm. apprehensive. All right, all right, well, before we go on, I have one last comment about this scene that I, I have to um, throw out there for you guys' opinion. Um, where is the corpse of Pavarotti if they have not found a place to bury him yet? I Probably don't want to think about freezer. that. Yeah, Kurt's freezer. Yeah. Boy. Just every time they, he says that line, like, placement of wishes to be determined, I'm like, what? Where is it? Yeah. Well, like, I'm going many, with the freezer. When is it? Is it like the bird dies, then they have the meeting, then he buries? Is it like three days? Is it Monday when the bird dies and Wednesday when the smooch happens? I, mean, I don't know, but now I have a mental happen. image of Bert trying to get, like, a bag of frozen peas out of the freezer, <laughs> and then all of a sudden just finding a Ziploc bag <laughs> no, 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 no. bird in it. Oh, no. <laughs> but you know that Ziploc bag was like it had warning all Finn, do not eat this. Oh god. Oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> now I kind of want to think in which Finn ate the bird, but you know. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a chicken. <laughs> I can't imagine Kirk on that side. I thought it was a small <laughs> And Finn's trying to defrost it in the microwave and he's horrified. <laughs> You know what, what really happened, and I can totally see this, because Corey was really good at doing these kind of things, where yeah. I just, a scene where he opens the fridge, looks at it, looks very confused, and shuts the fridge. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt, why is your bird in the freezer? It just is. Leave it alone. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Um... Are we still in the Moving meeting? On. I'm confused where we are. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We are, there's a very specific image of this little box and this bedazzled casket. 
Who doesn't love the bedazzled cat? Wait, are we skipping over Trouty Mouth? Oh, we talk- Okay, fine. Let's talk about Oh, I missed it. Okay, never mind. No. Did we? I don't remember. I, I, I know I mentioned it at the beginning when we were talking about original songs, but... We can talk about Trouty Mouth for In a second. In between those two, Trouty Mouth happens, and it's so incredibly ridiculous that it does fit really well with, like, all the other, like, heart palpitation things that are happening on the Clan storyline. I love that New Directions is just full-on cracky glee. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's one reason why I, I think this episode, I know it was it was ranked one in my episode tournament, and I think, you know, when you see the best of Glee, this episode pops up a lot. And I think mm-hmm. that one of the reasons is not just the Clean story. It is that the rest of the stuff, minus maybe the Quinn prom queen stuff, is really good. I hate, and I hate the Quinn prom queen stuff. I, I fully understand that I am in the minority with that, but... I, like I don't hate it, I just wasn't really interested in it. <laughs> Let me just say this. I came from a town where people were pretty religious, pretty conservative, and I know, like, five girls who were pretty much just like Quinn was, where mm-hmm. she had this, like, really strict set of rules that she thought she had to live with, and then as she slightly bounced outside of that, like, tight, tight reality that she was that she had been raised in, she goes crazy i mean other people figure crazy not really yeah. crazy, but like she just goes wild to all of these extremes so all of this wild stuff that quinn went through where people are like her character's everywhere why can't they decide to me it seems totally reasonable because i've watched yep. these young women who i was growing up with who like were so repressed for so long and then they went like they just went through like dominoes just like every possible life experience they could have and, and she, like, kind of settled back on something not different from where they were raised, but, like, a little more reasonable yeah, for them. Yeah. I yeah. agree with that because, you know, I came from a small town, and it's a it's a very familiar storyline to me yeah. that I found entertaining and I found uh, relatable. And, I mean, I know plenty of people who were going after that crown hardcore, and yeah. I, find, I find that to be a amusing um type of storyline. I mean, I can't relate to it. To me, it seems stupid as all shit, but I know that people felt that way. And so I look at that storyline and I'm like, oh yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I'm glad it's not the A plot because that'd be boring for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. But, but I, but I think that, I, I think that it's, you know, something that when you have somebody going full force for what they believe is the most important experience they can have in high school, whether that's prom queen or, with being you know quarterback or being the star of the musical or being you know valedictorian i think that these are all very you know relatable things to feel like that's how you're defining yourself and your importance in this world that you live in which is that a lot of it's a very narrow world i totally agree and i'm gonna add to that list blaine trying to be the world's best boyfriend yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, you can mm-hmm. definitely add that. Sure. Um, well, what you know, I, I we grew up in a small town too. We were really tiny. We had eighty-seven people in my graduating class, and oh, um, sorry, yeah, yeah, it was really <laughs> nobody really cared about prom queen. But um, more significant to my experiences is the conversation Quinn has with Rachel. I believe in this episode, which is a little later on. Um, where she's like, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to be a real estate agent. Ben's yeah. going to do this. And you're going to go off and be a Broadway star. Oh. And we're going to be content. <laughs> and I think that the sadness that Quinn thinks that that is her only life option yeah. is so true in the rhetoric of these small town where people yeah. 
just kind of are settled into, you know, you marry somebody from high school and you get a nice paying job, you pop out kids, and that is your life. Mm -hmm. That real estate license thing was so perfect for all those women who I already talked about who I knew. Like, they all sell real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the, on, on top of that, you know, something that we, we talk a lot about how this, this um, show was for older people, but there were times when it was for teenagers. And one of the things with teenagers is that everything is such a big deal at that point. You know, mm -hmm. prom queen is, you know, is a big deal. Getting the lead in the solo is a big, or in, mm -hmm. the, in the musical is a big deal. And, you know, trying to be the best boyfriend ever when you don't have any experience is a big deal at the time. And it's not until you get older and, and get a little more experience that those things you know, and distant time and distance, it's like, okay, that didn't mean that much then, but um, at, at the time it probably did. Right. So. And so I, I, I don't really think we can that fault them giving... for wanting to, wanting to have that experience and going full throttle for it. And, you know, for some people, prom queen may be stupid, but for a lot of people, that was something that meant a lot to them at that point. But Glee also did did that where they they took those um, usual uh, I don't know biographies or, or stereotypes or whatever, and they just you know Quinn thought she had to because that was what she was taught and and that was all that she knew and and it's like there's more, but she didn't know that before mm -hmm. and Glee was really good I think at pointing that out and like uh, okay she she should be that but. She's more than that, and she right. can become And, you know, tying this, this is so not relevant to this episode, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway. Um, tying it all up, though, is that idea that it's okay to end up in your small town, too, mm -hmm. with, yeah. like, with Sam and Sam. with, you know, six. I like that they brought up full circle that, circle that, you know, yeah, it's not going to be for the Rachels and Kurtz, but it's okay for the Sams to be there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going back to where you came from. Well, the yeah. point is that you should be able to make that choice. You know, right. if you're... As, Whatever your conscious choice is, that's an okay choice. Is that moving to New York and aiming for fame and fortune? That's a legitimate choice. Is it deciding that, you know, I'm fulfilled by my small town life because what I get to experience is what's important to me? Then that's fine, too. But you should have the ability to make that conscious choice. Right, and that's why I'm also the that, that conscious choice, as opposed to Quinn saying, "Well, this is inevitable. This that's is why I'm what's going that to happen." Get, we didn't get more of Finn because Finn, I think, was one character who just didn't have something figured out. We had a lot of characters who had it figured out, who, who wanted something from the start, and Finn was one right. who just didn't know. And I, I'm a bit sad—well, more than a bit sad—but that we never got to see that play right. out. I'm glad they touched upon a little bit where he was starting to in season four figure out maybe, you know, this this teaching thing is something mm -hmm. for me. Um, I'm glad they got a little bit of resolution, but yeah, yeah it would have been but interesting. There, there are so many people with. who just don't have it figured out, who just right. finish school and just don't know what to do. And, and I think that's more common than people who graduate school and say, okay, uh, I know exactly what I want to do with my life. This, you know, and yeah. Glee, right. Glee, had a lot of, Glee had a lot of characters who had everything figured out at 17, which yeah. is so not realistic. Like I kind of, oh, I kind not. of wish that a lot of that more of the Glee clubbers went to college and didn't study music. Yeah, like yeah. you can, you can enjoy music and it can be an important and integral part of your life while still being a lawyer or oh, while you still I mean, being, you know, 
being in business or being in something, you don't have to make something your paying career to insinuate that it's important to you. Well, no, and I will I will throw this out there as a cautionary tale. You got, um, I have a master's degree in music, and I, um, I my during my graduate studies, um, there were a lot of signs that I probably should stop, and I was too stubborn to not do that. You know, I'm like I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to keep going, and it got to the point where I was, you know, going to, you know, I was going to graduate, and then it's like, what do I really want to do right. this for the rest of my life? And my answer is no, I don't, right. and. And now I am in a considerable amount of school debt and with a degree that I don't ever want to use. And so it's okay to change your mind. And I, I do think Lee does that, but I, I do think that there's more of the, I know exactly what I want, but, um, it's funny too, that like they spend so much time talking about everyone's big dreams, but mm-hmm. they seem to not understand. Like if you want to go to college, you should talk about it more than one week before. Oh yeah. That oh, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the other thing, I mean, one thing that I wish they had kind of followed through a little more with Kurt's character is that, um, what what's Kurt going to really do? I, I mean, like, he talks about being a performer, but trying to find his niche and find his brand and find what he wants right. to do, and he's trying all of these things. Mm-hmm. And they don't really resolve it. They kind of just say, oh, yeah, he's an actor, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, you could have really done something cool yeah. with his art instead of him, yeah. you know. Well, thinking. I mean, and it also kind of presented as, like, if you want to be a performer, New York is your only option. You must be on Broadway. It's like, man, there are so many community theaters around there that you can have the opportunity to be on stage and people clap for you. And it doesn't have to be your paying job. You can have it in your life and still enjoy. I mean, you know, you can sing in your church choir. You can be in community theater. You can teach theater to small, adorable little five-year-olds who get to be in costume for the first time and they think that it's the best thing in the world. See, and I'm going to throw out a probably unpopular opinion. I kind of wish they had done something with Blaine and kids as his career. I, I'm so a little How is that unpopular? I love that idea. I, I really, I'm like, really? Because there's all that tease at the end when they're singing with kids. I'm like, oh, Blaine's going to be a teacher or something like that. And it's like, no. I guess he'll be a teacher. He can have two jobs. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, I mean, I wish we had seen someone who just had music as a hobby, like only as a hobby, like yeah. I think it would have been good representation too, because just look at fandom. How many writers are really writers full time their whole life? Like right. most of us are doing this. Like we have a day job, and then we come yeah. home and we write. And but basically, just, all of the main realistic. characters did arts as a career instead yeah. of arts as you know. Some of them had it as Except a career. For- some of them had it as you know a passion. Some of them had it as you know. Yeah, and but Sam really—I mean, he was a teacher. I, I like again. I like what they did with Sam's character. Right. Or, so. All right. All right, you guys, you ready to get back to the original song? <laughs> Talk about now, that we've, now, now that we've about taken it. this diversion. Now that we've talked about Trouty Mouth to its fullest. Are are, um, are we at casket time? We are at casket time. I mean, this is just a terrible scene. I think it's useless. I think we should just skip it. I don't think it's important at all. And nothing happens. <laughs> okay. <then>. Nothing. <laughs> all right. But this is an interesting scene that starts with the piano right after. Oh, yeah. Well, we just talk about it right. I mean, let's, let's, go, let's go into that. Oh, let's talk about Hope and the No, guys. Okay. Um, Mercedes is this awesome song. And, okay. <laughs> so there's this casket that's bedazzled with a dead Ooh. bird. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's in it right bird, then. It? I, I, no. <laughs> no, the bird's still in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Or the microwave, depending on what. <laughs> Which, if he bakes it up and puts it in a panini, it could have Jesus' face on it again. 
we're never going to get through this scene. <laughs> well, it's because we're all hesitating to do it because it's just so full of steel. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's talk about candles. No, we'll talk about candles when we get to candles. Um, we're not going to talk go on that tangent yet. Uh, but so he's making um, the casket, and it's bedazzled, and Blaine walks in. Okay, did you guys? Two oh, character ahead. things that I love. I love that Kurt is so fucking brave about shit that he just asks. And I love that Blaine gets over all of the things that he was concerned about. Like, this moment is not just like, well, that pot. It's also, like, really important to, like, the core characters that they are. It plays to both of their strengths. Mm-hmm. Like, Blaine being mm-hmm. emotionally yep. honest and Kurt being brave. It's and a brave. wonderful scene. And again, looking at it with 2016 eyes, we have to remember that this was not the type of scene that you see on network television Never. when it came mm-hmm. on. Right, yeah. Never. By season five, this thing is kind of okay. We'll kiss all the time. And in season six, they had what six or seven gay yeah. kisses, and it wasn't a thing. But now it was. I remember like there was a lot of press around this episode because, well, and it's teenagers. Yeah. The episode, but. Yeah. Uh, no. So they come in, and Blaine. And he's so nervous. I mean, yeah. like, I like that Darren said that he played it as if Blaine had been holding on to this thing all day, and he's just getting, you know, to it, and he's just pent up and, and kind of ready for he, it. He well, wants himself to him? the edge where he can't, he can't hold it back any longer, because, again, he's the type of person mm-hmm. whose feelings overflow that cup really easily. He tried to put a lid on it, and it's about to burst. <laughs> and can't yep. you see him, like, bumping into Kurt, like, 20 times already that day? And like and go like abort, abort, and abort, to walk abort. Away. like I'm too nervous, abort. <laughs> and so finally, like they have this quiet place, probably because all the warblers try and do their best to like give them romantic scenarios. They're all hot. I wonder if they're all hiding in the closets in that room, being like, <laughs> "Do it, do it." I was gonna say, do you think the plane's like, "Okay, I see Kurt. Nobody enter this room." Totally. There There's may like be someone a sign the on the other side of the door. So there may be caution tape. <laughs> Warning, love about to happen. And then I love that, so he sits down, and Kurt kind of skirts around the the whole subject, like, why did you pick me for that number? Like, I'm going to test the waters here. I have no idea if this is what it really, I think it means, but I really, really want it to, but I'm going to play it cool. Yeah, because he has no reason to think that Blaine actually wants anything else than the regular relationship they've already had. Mm -hmm. Again, because Mm -hmm. Kurt has a habit of creating romantic feelings in his head that doesn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but now they actually exist, and it's real. <sighs> I love that moment where um, Blaine's, tra- Blaine's just, like, trying to get through his whole speech, and he's all jittery and nervous, and Kurt, like, his eyes pop open, and he sucks in a breath a little bit. Because mm-hmm. mm. <sighs> he, he has an idea of what he hopes is coming. Yeah. But no, but no faith that it's actually coming. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that moment where, where Blaine and he reaches out and he holds Kurt's hand and, and Kurt just has this sharp intake like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> yes, and sad point, when I was watching this for the first time, I was living in Europe, so I was having to watch this terrible feed of it, mm. and this is the point where my feed cut out. <gasps> no! And so I have everybody on Tumblr being like, ah, this is what's going on. I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. What the fuck just happened? 
Oh no! That's why I always stayed off the internet for the entire oh. night and downloaded it in the morning and watched it before work because yeah, that was no such a better no. choice because uh, that and that is what I remember about this scene is the horror of wait everybody is excited what the hell just happened? <laughs> you know I must have missed this the first time around because at the time I was watching it kind of sporadically mm-hmm. and I kind of fell in love with Clayne during the first time. So I didn't really, I don't think I saw this the first time around. Oh, I don't know, crazy. I just don't remember having any reaction until like, think, the second I think the time internet around. broke, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> I think I watched it, because you know, I DVR'd everything, and I think I watched it like ten times in a row. Because I used mm-hmm. to go back, like you know, you have the little back button with the DVR, and I would go oh, back, yeah. like, oh look at that little background moment. And there was, there's so much happening in this short little scene. So he grabs his hand, oh. like, Kurt, there is a moment. There is a moment when you say to yourself, Oh, there you are. I've been looking for you forever. Which, yeah. I mean, come on, has to be one of the most <laughs> romantic lines ever. It, yeah. Which I say to myself all the time whenever I lose something and I find it again. Well, <laughs> I do, I really I've do say that. I've used that line at work before and people just look at me like, I don't get it. I'm like, nah, never mind. But that. That's not really to undermine the. It is such a romantic and amazing moment, and I, I remember somebody talking about at some point saying that's something that you know, like when you're in your forties and you say to your, you know, significant other. I mean, I, I think that um, sometimes Clayne was played up to be older than these. Oh, 100%. I mean, they're definitely teenagers, but um, and they definitely do teenagery things. But there are some of these bigger romantic moments speaks to a, a much older soul. They are like, they are Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's this old-school romance that doesn't actually fit with 16-year-olds, but is mm-hmm. wonderful in the way that it's on screen. Yeah. It plays really well, and it's heartbreakingly romantic. And then, you know, they kiss. And, they it's, kiss. Still and it's, it's so gorgeous. Like, it's a it gorgeous, is. gorgeous kiss. It's shot very well. It's framed really well. It's... Mm-hmm really well it's just it's really well done and I love when they they break apart and Blaine's like all fluttery doe eyes mm-hmm. like kind mm-hmm. of amazed mm-hmm. and Kurt is like well if we're doing it let's do it <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love and I love that. the I guess we should practice well I thought we were yeah because yeah, if, that's, well, if that's not sultry let's get this back going I don't right. know Fucking minx. I love him. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's super sexy I, when he doesn't try hard. It's when you he know, tries hard that he's like, he's, um, what? Like, you know, <laughs> two seconds later, Blaine is in his lap. <laughs> Damn yeah. great. But, well, oh, jumping jumping back right before the kiss, though, I love... I, this is one of my favorite Chris for acting moments ever, where there are so many emotions mm-hmm. on his face. As Blaine mm-hmm. is starting to lean in like is yeah. this really happening oh my god this is really happening yes this is really ha-. and it's just amazing to me mm-hmm. and then we get this spectacular kiss but I, I just and then again the afterwards when they're both kind of fluttery and uh, I just it's amazing acting all the way around it is yeah which at this point we should also add in the glory that is the Jim Cantiello uh, reaction oh, yeah. <laughs> to it oh the kiss so they the kiss, throw the confetti and make a gift I mean it's amazing yeah, and yeah. that's what I think of when I see that when I see that scene. That's the song that plays in my head. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And, and but also because again we were gosh I didn't realize how much sexy kind of uh, correlates to this much more than I originally thought. Um, 
we were talking about, you know, Baby Penguin Cart and how that was, um, you know, a lot of time we see in fandom or fanon or fix or whatever, Kurt is always this baby penguin. But I think, you know, that was, as we talked about in the other podcast, that was that moment he was very baby penguin. And when he tries, he's really awkward. But, wait, yeah. you know, he's not naturally. I naturally, like, you know, with, uh, you know, I thought we were lying. It's, yeah, he's got a lot of natural well, stuff he's awkward on. when he yeah. tries hard. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not, he's not really hard. able to turn it on and off on command like some people can. When mm-hmm. he tries hard, it's super awkward because he's trying to mimic what he sees in school or on TV. And instead of just being him and when he's him, it totally works. Yeah. Like his performances, when, he, when he's just being his amazing self, his performances are fantastic. He right. can't put on a persona like, a, he can't just charismatically, like, you know, mumble around in the coffee shop a little bit. He's not that person. Right. You right. know? He's Which gonna is also have... why I don't think that Kurt Hummel would make a good actor. No, I don't think so either. In the right and, role. And, uh, the thing is that there are certain Kurt Hummel roles that only Kurt Hummel can do. Right. Right. Yeah. But he would not be a very versatile actor. Because no, I don't he... think so either. And I, I don't know if it, it'll be on a different podcast that I really get into it, but... I'm like, there are a lot of great things Kurt can do. I don't think acting is yeah. one of them, which is another reason why I'm a little frustrated with the, the his career storyline. Yeah. But that's, but his know. career storyline also involves fashion. It involves, uh, like, writing things for them to do. Like, you know, he, he does fashion, he writes things, he performs. Like, it was so well-rounded that, you know, yeah. he's not a box, people. No, I really appreciate that they gave him all those different things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wish it was a little more conclusive than what we got, but, you know, that's, like I said, I mean, conversation. I, I get okay. that, like, you know, Animal is supposed to be funny. And. Phone Party 7. It was funny, but, like, in that moment when Kurt says, I thought we were, it really seemed like the two of them were just going to throw all that shit off the top of the table and get down. Yeah. Well, they would have if not for that cock blocking piano. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, again, again, I've read that fic. Of course. <laughs> I, well, I think we all have. I think we've all written that fic. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's like a rite of passage. You have to do a to become a, an author, and then you have to do a after original song. Yeah. But I think also about Kurt acting. I think um, acting or performing and and certain songs that he doesn't sound great on. I think he never really got a lot of practice because Rachel got everything, and this I think no one else in Glee Club really got a chance to really practice their skills much because. No, I enjoy him being a Dalton again because he's not competing with Rachel because if he competes with Rachel mm-hmm. he's going to lose because Will is in love with Rachel which is so stupid yeah. because when Kurt and Rachel sing together they can mm-hmm. do things that no one else can do sounds so great and he, they, they never get so amazing yeah. but their voices fit very well together yeah mm-hmm. But, well, if he's com- but if he's competing with Rachel, then in in the world of the show, Rachel will always win. And because so I liked it when he's in situations where he's not competing with her, and I feel like he has a fair chance of showing off his own talents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah, always competing with her on her terms. Yeah. 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 That's why I also, also think that uh, once he gets out of McKinley and... Uh, if he gets a better teacher who actually pays attention to him, he could maybe improve with his acting and singing and whatever. Right. Yeah. I think right. he just didn't get a lot of help. He ne- he needed a 
professional voice teacher. Right. Somebody who could work yeah. with his talents, who knew how to work with his talents, and was knew an he idiot. Existed. And right. I could see him getting all that in Yada, so I have no issues with him conquering all the things. Right. Well, and thinking, putting it in context of, you know, he might have a really good acting teacher, too, who could hone in what his talents are right. with acting. I mean, uh, there are a lot of actors that understandably play similar roles. That's because of what they're very good at. And right. I, I think Kurt Hummel would do that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, getting back to this scene, I have a couple more thoughts about it. First of all, I, I like that it plays with expectation. I don't think, or, and I could be totally wrong, um, that when you first watch this, you really expect Kurt to say, you know, we should practice. I thought they, or that we were, you know, to be that forward about it. No, that was that was totally right. unexpected, and I think that's why I love the line so much. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you kind of expect for Kurt to be the one that's like, oh, well, my stars, we should we should practice. <laughs> yeah. Instead exactly. of fun, he's like, nah, man, we're gonna shove this off. We're gonna do this. Yeah. I love that. You know, the touch of the fingertips. The first thing that Blaine does is hold his hand. He does. Yeah. And Kurt just slides right down the slide. <laughs> it is a fast set. You know, he's like, he's saying romantic things. He's holding my hand. He's kissing me. Okay, it's on. It's yeah. true. You know, Blaine, Blaine always reaches for his hand first, and that just primes the pump. Yeah. He he grabs his <laughs> hand to pull him down a uh, well, hallway. He grabs another... his hand with this bird casket. He grabs his hand when they're burying Pavarotti. He's like, I know how to work this. I've got your hand. I, it's another, another time when, you know, I think a lot of people in Kurt's life, he feels like he's um, not being heard, but Blaine is actually listening mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. And so, um, the other point that I wanted to make is about the kisses themselves. And I love that the first one is this very romantic uh, movie esque, you know, gorgeous kiss. And the second one is like, I have to have you right now. Bow, chicka, yeah. bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally you could, you could, uh, craft any song to go behind that scene and it would give it a, uh, I mean, we a different talk spicy a lot flavor. about, we mm-hmm. talk a lot about how Blaine is doing all these things that Kurt wants in this scene, but Kurt is also doing everything that Blaine wants. He's Kurt listening is not a passive to him. character. He is listening to him. He's he's letting him like Blaine wants to do the big gestures, and Kurt is all about it. He wants to give him that little mm-hmm. stage for it. And then what does Blaine want? Blaine wants romance and sex, and Kurt is all in. Yeah. You know? Even though Kurt does not say a lot in the scene, he's not a passive character. No. 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 I mean, this is not happening at Kurt. No, he's totally reciprocating all yeah. of the things that Blaine... It's not happening to Blaine, him, all of it's that, happening with him. All of that encouragement and that little bit of self-confidence that he needs yep. to feel comfortable in this relationship. Yep. Mm. It's wonderful. And that's, that's why I, I really love this storyline, because it's not... I mean... Yeah, a lot of season two, is Blaine is kind of a side character, but it really is about the both of them. It isn't one person's story. Yeah. And then that cock-blocking piano. <laughs> Which is so sad because I love Hell to the Now. I do. Oh, I do. I think it's hilarious. I actually really enjoy all of the original songs in this episode, with the exception of Get It Right. I mean... Well, I that, yeah. that stupid Puck song. I love Big uh, Ass yeah. Oh, I kind of think it's funny. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I think that Trouty Mouth is funny. I think that um, Hell to the No is funny. I mean, I even think that Only Child is funny. I love Only Child. I want it on my iPod. I just love it. <laughs> the only berry on your family. <laughs> I have that one. I should send that to you. How do I get all these songs? I don't Making know. Making the list now. Anyway. 
Do you guys need the the season five Kurt version of Gra- Defying Gravity too? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and again, and, and hell to the no, I think also reinforces that I, I, I will stand by the fact that I truly believe that Amber Riley is the most talented female singer on the show. Yes. Oh, she yeah. is. Yes. I mean, we, we just uh, recorded is magic. Mm-hmm. We just recorded yep. a Mercedes only podcast where we really get to delve into her character, and, and and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I just have so many great things to say about Mercedes. So, I mean, I I think that Amber Riley is magic, and I think that she is so fucking talented, and I think that she got short shrift um, for a lot of glee, and I am so excited that she is. Uh, being recognized for her talent in other avenues now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's amazing. Um, you know what I think is funny? I don't know what prompts it, um, but Sam has that that little notebook that says "Hell to the No" on it or something, and then Santana <laughs> makes a trouty mouth joke, and he just holds it up. Yeah. <laughs> best gift or best gift. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's so useful in so many things. Because, yeah, he was holding it up while she was singing about tots, um, and kind of dancing with it, and then um, you get Trouty Mouth Part Do, and she, he's like, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I don't think there's. Oh yeah, the after I was like, what else happened? Because this, it's kind of funny. All of this clean stuff happens in the first eighteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so. And then there's yeah, not much. There's not really much of them after that. Um, but. I know there's that. That's we already talked about the Rachel Quinn stuff that happens after this, and then Rachel goes and cries and oh God. yeah. Let's talk about um, her solo for a second. Um, I hate that song, especially after playing Glee Forever and having to do that song like eight thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually hate it, but you know, it, what get it right? Yeah, get it right. Um, worst show choir song ever. All yeah. of their songs suck in this episode. I mean, like, I mean, all of their competition songs the are opposite. Oh, I love what you're like. <laughs> it is literally the opposite. Hey, I'm going to stand alone in front of an audience where I'm supposed to have everybody with me, but I'm just going to sing about myself, and it's going to be a sad song. Everybody vote for me. It's terrible. I know. It's, it's, it's typical Rachel. It's, it is it's typical so Rachel. Rachel. I just want to shake them and go, make better life choices. <laughs> but it's... It's a song I'm by convinced. Rachel, about Rachel, sung by Rachel during the competition. It's like... Well, because there are no other characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it couldn't Not be more about her in that minute. It couldn't be more about her, really. She wrote it. She, she sings it. <laughs> Again, Even I'm kind of surprised that they don't like... all have Rachel masks in the audience so that it's Rachel singing to Rachel while watching Rachel. <laughs> and even Candles is like essentially about Finchel. Yeah, which well, I'm convinced. Before we get into, I'm before we get into candles, they took candles uh, and they made it sound terrible because I think they went back and looked at these original songs and they're like, "Oh, that's not so good. We got to make something less great." <laughs> All right, before we get into, because you guys get to hear my rant, which I'm sure you've already read in some form or another. Because yes, whatever. rant time. Um, but <laughs> I mean, oh uh, no, about, opinions terrible. Um, about uh, get it right, I. The song's gone. It's gone. <laughs> it went away. It died like Pavarotti. <laughs> Don't eat it, Ben! <laughs> you got me thinking about candles. Good lord. Um, oh, oh no, that's what it... Um, actually, right before before we get into it, though, uh, let, there is that scene where they come up with the loser-like-me idea. Um, mm-hmm. And Will... Um, I guess Mercedes talks about Sue throwing sticks okay, at her. I find that hilarious. 
Yes. <laughs> I find that because she's just throwing like tiny little picks at her. It's like just twigs. twigs. Yeah. She's yeah. caught in her hair oh. and she's sitting there like, the fuck are you doing? And Sue's like, I'm going to ruin this for you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. I, I do remember what I was going to say, though, about Rachel's solo. Um, the problem I have with a lot of the solos, and um, it really, there are certain people that can pull it off better than others, but I think it just fails Rachel, is that it's it gets to be boring. You hear one Rachel solo, you've heard them yeah. all, and it's three minutes straight of her emoting in one emotion. She just well, doesn't... And it's also the same facial expression. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, she doesn't give a lot of depth or a lot of, you know, I, I do... Closed eyes, downturned mouth. The most realistic bottom lip. It's the same look. Yeah. I mean, it's realistic that that song sucks because a 16-year-old girl was crying and that's what she was able to come up with. And she's not a songwriter. She's a performer. Right. She she doesn't have creative ideas. She expresses the ideas that other people have made. That's a really good way to put that. I've never thought of that before. But she keeps expressing the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's not, I'm not, this isn't like a, not me not liking Leah Michelle moment. This is a me not liking the way they keep presenting Rachel Berry. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, um, yeah. Really and this song is almost four minutes long. So yeah. it's the entire song. And it's for four minutes of this really high paced episode comes to a complete stop. So we can listen to Rachel emote about this, you know, mm-hmm. tragic part of her life. And it's just not a good and, song. No, it's, it's just not. not a good song. It's not. It's another. It's another example of why it's unfair their their entire like solo selection process because everyone else gets songs when they when they audition or whatever that are not really perfect for their voices and she always gets stuff that's perfect for her from from the start. Like she yeah. doesn't even have to try. It's, mm-hmm. Well, and the, you know that's when like I'll forgive something like um um what's the song Darren wrote um it's uh, this time. Oh yeah. Where oh. It, it that song was again like four minutes long in the episode, but it really works because it's a gorgeous song. Mm-hmm. But this one is not. And <laughs> my, you know, apologies to the person who wrote it, but yeah. It's also just about her dumb relationship with Finn, and I can care yeah. less. Amen. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well, before we move on to candles, um, there is that little scene right at the beginning of Regional where Kurt's nervous because he has this solo. Well, he's finally gotten what he wants. He's wanted to be yeah. a soloist, and now he's faced with the realization, like, oh, shit. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got to do this now. Which, for anybody who has performed, you always have that moment beforehand going, well, yeah. shit, can I actually do this? No matter how much you've practiced it, no matter how solid you were in it yesterday. It doesn't go away. It doesn't step, go away. Never. You step into the backstage, you're looking out on the stage, and you have that moment of, well, shit. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that Kurt is vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yep, yep. and Blaine and I love him for it. I have never understood. I have heard criticism of Blaine, and I think it's just people who hate Blaine because I have never people understood what their issue. Uh, okay, this is adorable that Blaine is like, you know, you are cute, and I support you, and I love you, and you know, let's go. Cause, you know, and I love that it's about them as a team mm-hmm. too. Like we're yeah, in a rock. I mean, why, why wouldn't he be super positive? Because he knows Kurt can do it. Yep. And he knows that, you know, Kurt does not need somebody to wallow in. It's like, oh, my God, I know that you're scared. This is going to be terrible. He's like, no, nah, man, we're going to crush this. Well, you know, 
and here's something I just thought about this right now for the first time. Up until, like, you know, these last couple episodes, Kurt, or not Kurt, Blaine has always been Mr. Mentor. And now he's not Mr. Mentor, he's boyfriend mm-hmm. Blaine. And I like that shift. I mean, I want to yeah. interject about one of the reasons why I think Kurt is uncomfortable. Sure. Because he's wearing that fucking Warbler's outfit. Yeah, and yeah. I like the Warbler's outfit. That and is I not, know that I'm okay. one of the. Kurt looks awesome in the the sweater, the Warbler sweater. Love it. That fucking blazer does not does not make him instant sex symbol status. Oh, it's off blazer. And you know, for Kurt to perform, it's it's a one hundred percent thing. It's going to be head to toe, and he's in a costume, but not something that really symbolizes himself so well. So he's right. already kind of out of sync from the way that he shines. Because when you mm. see him do performances where he's chosen the costume and he's chosen everything about how the the overall performance is going to go, it's amazing. You know, sure, and but if he's he, going to be a performer, I mean, performers wear costumes, whether that's, you know, the outfit for your, your group number or whether that's a costume for yeah. the show that you're in. I mean... But this costume is just one of is just one of these people, and he doesn't really. I mean, he just he doesn't really fit. Yeah, hence the Pavarotti dying. Pavarotti has been set free, so is Kurt. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. I still love um, my blazer. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sit here I, in my blazer loving corner. No, the blazer I, no, is I, great I, on most <laughs> of them, except for Kurt. It's too boxy. Oh, see, I like. I actually do think he looks cute in it, but I think... Not in comparison to the sweater. <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> so now we've moved into the great blazer versus sweater war of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> team blazer Alien, versus team sweater. Yeah, but I, I, but I kind of like that, that Kurt... I kind of like that Kurt Neville like, looks really comfortable in the blazer because it just fits. Because he's... Dalton is great for him, and he I think he needed it, but... Mm. I like so that he never really true. quite belongs there because it's not tailored to him. Yeah, no, he needed it for space for him. Why did last it? He knows better. He should have done some tailoring. All right, well we we'll have to listen. We'll have to give it up to the to the audience because it's two versus two. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, either I will. Say, I think the colors look good on both of them. Oh. I give them yeah. the costuming department really good props because I think the colors navy look looks really good on anybody. Okay. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. I am pro navy. I don't think everybody can pull off red though. Red is hard. Oh, we all paused. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's probably why if they had accepted Blaine's suggestion to have red jackets with blue piping, it just would have been a disaster. Yes, but you know what though? New Directions in season six and uh, six ends up having um, red blazers. New Directions war- warbler thing at the end when Blaine's like, "I have an idea." Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. It's not blue piping, but... <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Way to go, me pulling random things out of nowhere. Okay. Um, Alright. Fine, we can talk about candles. How do they um, all get candles in the audience? They I mean, probably put they them there. The They're next to the foam fingers that are down there. Well, it looked like when they passed out the foam fingers that Kurt was the only one who had foam fingers. Like, he had an entire basket of them under his chair that he's just, like, yeah. throwing yeah. them out going, yeah, we're gonna do this. <laughs> so maybe they they're like a little baskets and there's all candles. Somebody has handed out can I don't know. Who knows? I mean, okay. I mean, here's my off. thing about. Here's my thing about candles. I'm gonna go ahead and, and do my little diatribe oh. on candles. 
Um, I don't hate the song. It's a, if you've ever heard the original song, it's actually very pretty. Um, I have two kind of issues. My first is the context. Mm-hmm. The singing about breakup. And I know people are like, well, this is where Blaine thought what was going to happen or whatever. I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll even relent on that one. The sound of candles drives oh. me up the wall. Oh. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. Chris is so badly out of tune, and I don't know why. I think there's, like, what, ten songs in this? I can understand that this was rushed in production, and um, and they probably didn't focus on all the songs that they could have in the post, and Ryan Murphy wanted something changed, and, you know, I get there's probably a lot of production issues. So, so I think bad. That's, it's so bad. But it is horribly out of tune. It Both is. of them are out of tune. Chris is the worst. I mean, yeah, he sounds horrible. He sounds horrible. I don't know if he was kind of like, I hate this song. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? In addition to it sounding bad, it also doesn't match their lips. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's totally out of sync with the words that they are mouthing. And so it's, it's, there's in the checklist of things that could have gone right. All of the boxes are empty. Yeah. Well, and my, you know, I've heard also people say that, um, you know, um, that they they wanted one of the songs to sound bad because they lose at regionals. And I'm like, no, if you look at Teenage Dream, the acoustic version, Blaine is a mess uh, in the live performance of that. But when you listen to the re- studio version, it's it's gorgeous. Uh, but Candle's studio version is still a mess. It's not really as... It is just... Uh, it's a mess. It really is. The harmonies are weird. Um, the Kurt's singing up into the stratosphere, which makes the out-of-tune sound even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My major problem is the arrangement and the performance yep. of the song. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, there are people that can't hear it, and I give them, I'm like, congratulations, yeah. go for it, <laughs> love it. And I'm not saying don't like the song, I'm just saying this is why I can't stand this song. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just, they, there could have been so many other more interesting choices, more better performed choices. Yeah. Better choices. Better. Like, the word we're looking for is better. It does seem like it was something that they had to kind of, like, they hadn't planned it, and they had to kind of go back and stick it in last minute. Because also, like, the lighting is kind of different and weird. It just seems Mm -hmm. like one of those things, like, Glee ran out of time, and they did a shitty job with this one. Right. Right. But I mean, any other Warbler song that they sing. Had they done a good job with it, the Warblers would have won. Well, and my joke was always that um, Blaine and Kurt are too pr- too busy, quote unquote, practicing to <laughs> practice the song. Totally. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes sense to me why they personally might suck on it, but um, except for that they are, they harmonize wonderfully together all the time. Yeah, yeah, they. And I'm, I'm I would rather take a well done, you know, scene where they kiss and other scenes around it than to have this duet. I, I mean, they get a lot of duets in the, in the Baby It's Cold Outside is still wonderful. Pretty much all the rest of the songs they do together are wonderful. It, that, you know, so the first song they sing as a couple is kind of a dud. Well, you know. I also, I can, I can buy that. They were a little busy and didn't practice much, but on the other hand, like, Kurt is so serious about performing and he's finally getting a solo and right. I think... Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that he would have let anything distract him from rocking this, including Blaine's penis? I don't see I mean, that Blaine will be there later. Blaine will be there. <laughs> it's not like it's going anywhere. I feel like they could multitask. That's just me. Seeing what they can out. Why didn't they try that? I mean, man. isn't there like a bus ride to regional? 
wouldn't all of the warblers just be singing? Yeah. Yes, but they were probably singing songs that sounded better and were better choices for their voices. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my other my other argument is um, raise this class is amazing. It's so, so good. you can't tell me that. They like had to botch this one, but couldn't botch the other one. Right. Like, no. But again, I'm it's also like a terrible song for this acapella group to do because it does not yeah. show off any of the sort of verbal dexterity that is a signature of good acapella groups. Mm-hmm. Unlike mm-hmm. Razor Glass, which allows for a variety of sounds and notes and um, verbal acuity that you just don't get in candles. Yeah. And I there mean, are so many other better choices to be if they wanted to slow and romantic, and I still think that it would have been wonderful if they had done I Swear by All for One. Oh, Wouldn't that have been wonderful? I love that song. That's such a sweet song. I remember there was, like, my favorite thing in the early 90s. I know, when right? I, was... I know. Oh, I have yeah. no idea what song that is. Um, and I swear by the by moon and the stars. Oh, that would have been. I'll be there for better or worse till death do us part. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and would be very easy oh. to turn it into a Beelzebub type number, and they oh, probably he... already have it. But no, we got. That would have been great. Maybe but... that song was something they saved for their personal makeout sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, you know that they would, like, shut the door, kiss a little bit, sing. So, oh. Blaine, what's the theme for our makeout tonight? Yeah. I think I should do 90s R&B. I should do 90s R&B, too. I actually have a theory about this. I actually think that they, the first time they sang Come What May to get together was probably really close while they were making out or something. And, you know, Blaine just softly starts singing it to, to her. So it was probably muffled with Come What May. I can I can really see them having like choreography to their makeouts like. <laughs> And probably one of them being very curt, being very angry that Blaine had not practiced this choreography. <laughs> <laughs> you were given homework after our last session. You really should be better at where your hands are going. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll schedule it for next Tuesday and try again. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, I would love to see Kurt's planner. That there he probably <laughs> has a special like colored highlighter that's for makeout sessions. Blaine time. It's Blaine time. <laughs> you know that he did that thing where like um, he wrote down every time that they made out. Like he re- tried to remember it. Like this is the sixth time. This, as, and as things kept going, he was one of those people who was like, "I've kissed this boy ten times now. Now I've done this." <laughs> did anybody watch Thirty Rock? Because I I kind of see it as when, um, like, Liz is trying to find time to have sex with her boyfriend, and she ends up doing it in an Excel sheet. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I can plan it. If I print it in landscape, the page will take it all. (laughs) And she ends up realizing that if she, like, scheduled it, it becomes even better. And I kind of can see Kurt doing that with, I mean, if it was, you know, him as an adult, it would be him with his Google Calendar sending Blaine meeting reminders like, our, we have our meeting to bang. <laughs> Do you accept? I'm sure he does that as well. I mean, I'm sure they're still spot, spontaneous, but I'm sure there's like, you know, every other Thursday night is their special night. Well, they are teenagers, remember? So there's that little bit of time between when Bert gets home or Finn and Rachel might be there. What are they going to do and how they can, you know? That's true. They have when a little bit of extracurricular time. 
When you're a teenager and your parents work, you know exactly when that magic 15 minutes yep. is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I... You, and you also know that your parents know what you're doing and know better than to be like, I'm just going to go run by the grocery store. Nah, they're coming home at 5.57. <laughs> You've got until then. And two minutes before that happens, you need to be on separate sides of the couch. It's like, hey, nothing was going on. You're home. Hi. <laughs> We're just watching um, Sesame Street because it's on. Exactly. <laughs> I just picked it. Reading fashion on. magazines upside down. Yep. <laughs> Somebody has their butt, the buttons of their shirt uh, slightly askew. It's in the wrong buttonhole. Mm-hmm. Hair is so kind of messed fashion. up. That's fashion. Somebody, somebody Everyone misplaced like their that. glasses. <laughs> well, you like, know, like, every time Bert came home, Kurt was bright red. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably hiding a hair. Oh. And, and Blaine would be like, hello, Mr. Hummel, sir. <laughs> <laughs> really overcompensating with his, like, hello. <laughs> Hi, we're not doing you. anything. I'm going to shake your hand now. Okay, uh, I have to go. <laughs> it, is, it is very nice to see you, sir. <laughs> I'm like, I just see Bert, Kurt, your boyfriend's weird. <laughs> yeah, but like in the, in the um, what episode is it, with uh, Rachel's party where he's like, I'm totally off the clock. I'm not a warbler right now. I can see that, you know, with Bert coming home, I'm totally off the clock. I'm not Kurt's boyfriend right now. We were practicing for our bed. <laughs> Would you like to talk about football? Ohio State is doing well this year. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. I'm I'm actually a little relieved. I thought I would have to fight somebody about candles, and it looks like I don't have to. So no, no, no. I, and I get it. Like I said, I know there are a lot of people who really love candles out there, and and more power to them. I just I personally can't stand it. I so. I would like to move to razor glass because that was <laughs> an amazing song. <laughs> I mean, and plus you get the wonderful facial expressions and body movements that involve, like, electrocuted octopus. Oh, my God. Yes. Because who doesn't love that? I love it. And Kurt with the pinky. Of course. Oh, yeah. They just have so much fun with it. It's a wonderful number. And, again, it should have won. It should have won. Mm. And um, April Rhodes shouldn't have butchered it, you know, three years later. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Forgetting that happened. But no, it's it is good. There isn't much to say about it, I feel like. Oh, you know what we skipped over that I kinda wanna bring up for a second? Um, during candles is that whole puck looking, you know, moved by by it. And you know what? I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion. I'm just not on the whole puck is there for claim kind of thing. I think he was just moved by the song. I think he was just high or something. <laughs> <laughs> all over the place. He doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> well, it's not like the writers write him in any sort of consistent fashion. <laughs> no. Oh, that's not a sort but of I know, like, For so long, like, every fic had Puck, like, I have to get them back together. I'm like, well, Why? for a long time, Puck was, like, on this trajectory to be, like, a better person, and then that just kind of went, eh. Well, they got bored <laughs> with it. Yeah. They found something new. Like so, yeah. yeah. Oh, also at the end of of Razor Glass, I'm always gonna say that now. Um, <laughs> is that uh, Kurt and Blaine give a nice sweet little hug? They have like run at each other, like yay! Uh-oh. Oh, and then that Blaine pulls out Kurt into the spotlight well, after candles well, to give him. Of course he does because people should clap for Kurt because Kurt is amazing and Kurt's so adorable. Mm. With yeah. Her. My yeah. boyfriend, have you seen my boyfriend? Look at my adorable orphan. Isn't he cute? Look at how he's so tall. Oh my god, look at his hair. Do you see him? Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. 
I mean, I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't have a little sign that's like, my boyfriend and an arrow. He's like a new grandparent with pictures of babies. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, Blaine, like, picks up his wallet and, like, you know, like, the thing unfolds and there's, like, 12 posed, posed pictures of Kurt. He's taken these pictures with his antique cameras. <laughs> <laughs> they're black and white. You know, they're over the shoulder. Oh. This is my boyfriend. He's There's adorable. A, Have you, you know, met my boyfriend? Winning. <laughs> I I will say with credit uh, with credit with with candles. God, why can't I talk? With candles, if you mute it and watch it, it's very nice scene. Uh, you know, they're all lovey dovey with each other. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, another good thing about because quite often you compare Blaine and Rachel. Um, Blaine does not have a problem sharing the spotlight. Sometimes oh, he's a little clueless, and you have to point it out and be like, "You should share." And but once you point it out, he's like, "Oh wait, yeah, I totally should." And so yeah, when like somebody else pointing does out a to him. thing, he's more than willing to be like, "No, no, no, don't clap for me, clap for this person. They did an amazing job." He's he's very much a team player. He's just you kind of got to point it out to him sometimes. Once you point it yeah, out, like he's totally the, down with it. In the beginning, when Kurt says, "You know, you get all the solos," and in the next Warble meeting, he's like, "I'm so tired of the Warble being all about me." Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I get where there are there are parallels between Blaine and Rachel, but I don't think they're as prominent as people like them to, no, like to make it. Not, no. But there is that other parallel that happens that like when um we've talked about this before, I know, when when there's something to be learned about like where your worth comes from, Kurt mm-hmm. gets told about how people are important. And right. Rachel gets told that her talent is really important. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So yep. here we have something that reinforces that, like, people like you, Kurt. Love is good. The world is a great place. And Rachel gets told, well, as long as you got the sparkly microphone, you're doing your thing. Like, that's really the only thing we care about. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we are care you about you performing these emotions, too. but we don't care about you having these emotions. Right. Just perform them and, like, really feel it and close your eyes and make a scrunchy face and, like, that's good enough. Are you are you saying there's similarities between that and Blaine too? Because I, I think Blaine feels that a little bit sometimes. No, that... I just think that they have this Hummelberry parallel where, like, whenever they're talking about like giving worth back to a character, the lessons that are learned for Rachel is that she can do this thing, and the lessons that are that are learned for Kurt is that uh, like the world is important and people are here for you and all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. Kurt yeah. could not have his talent, and he would still be someone that people love and it's consistently reinforced to Rachel that right. if you don't have this talent, no one will love you. And then there's that's the fear that Blaine has. If I don't have the talent, will someone love me? Yes, we will. You're adorable. <laughs> he is adorable. That's true. I never thought of that actually, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course the, you know the warblers lose. And it's bittersweet. I and, and it's they're sad, but we all know, you know. But I also I like that that was very important to Kurt. He's like, I just wanted to win. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we've all been there. It's like, yeah, I get it, but I just wanted to win. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's at a funeral for a bird. <laughs> well, before we get into the end, I do want to say... Wait, um, I want to interject, though, that Kurt does win. Remember, this is a competition between Kurt and Rachel. He gets the boyfriend. He does. At the yeah. point, like you know, when they when they put this thing in between the two of them, where they have this competition, and Kurt wins the emotional competition, and she wins the singing competition, and like that's oh. where they're pushed to. 
That is true. Uh-huh. Had not thought about it. I haven't thought of, I never thought about it that way. Poor Rachel never gets anything. I mean, she gets all the things, but no one really gets <laughs> her. Yeah. No, I feel sorry for Rachel. I still don't think... I, st- I still don't... Gosh, I, I, I don't... Um, how do I put this? It's not about Rachel, but the writers still kind of um, overdid it with, like, season three. Everything needs to be about Rachelness, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's interesting because, as a, st- as a show, Rachel is the lead of that show. But what is her story, really? Does she even really do that much? Not really. She doesn't have that many struggles. She doesn't really have that many interesting storylines. For someone who the show is really about, yeah, there's really yeah. not that much. Kind of like Dawson's Creek. She's just, yeah, there's, there's nothing for Rachel to conquer. She's no. Yeah. She's a thing, and we look at her and we listen to her. Right. But, but she started out talented. People recognized well, her, talented, her talent, and her talent was continually rewarded throughout the series. Whether that even was, when it made it, no sense. Even when it made no sense. Like call, the Niata audition, which she call. totally choked on. And right. how did she get in? How? Right. How did she get into Niata? One of the few things that happens in in the course of Rachel that's actually an interesting scene is when she fucks up that performance and then you see her crying and Finn's yeah. yeah. And we and that's the kind of like characterization that we never really get. She and when that feel, happens, she I was to be a person. When that yeah. happened, I was really looking forward to where I thought the show was going, which was, yep. you know, her having to struggle to get into it or finding that she could find success in another way right. than just yes. going to this one specific school. And I thought that it's like, oh, you know, she's going to move to New York and try to make it on her own. It's like, this is going to be so interesting. And then it's like, nah, BT dubs, we're going to have Kurt not get in, but Rachel's totally going to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets really... this interesting story and she gets the same story she's been in forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I think they were really hesitant to have anything bad happen to her. And I don't, I don't know, know why. I think they don't know. Uh, no. I think they yeah. don't know how to write women. Well, yeah. That's kind of. There's that. There's. I don't think they knew what to do with Rachel. Like, they. They really were trying to overcompensate. Like, like you were saying, you know, Rachel's been told her whole life that she's all about her talent, but they, they kind of went to an extreme with, with it. I don't know. It's like. They wouldn't let her fail, and I really, yeah. to be able to conquer something, you have to fail first. Yeah. Well, and in tying it in um, this episode a little bit, I want, before we get to the, the the funeral scene, let's talk about the very end of this episode, which is Rachel winning the MP, MVP, which they've never done yeah. up to this point, and they never, never do afterwards. Yeah. It's just a moment to give Rachel some kind of credit, mm-hmm. which drives me up the wall. It's the my least favorite part of this episode. And it's also there's so much like there's so much of Glee. It's like, oh, Rachel's kind of sad. Well, then all the other characters need to rally behind her to make sure that she feels good. And her little yeah. speech, like, all I ever, ever wanted was to feel chosen. And it's like uh, the, the entire show is about her being chosen again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And then she gets you know people they were being chosen. Out MVP. If they were giving out MVPs that made any sense at all. They would consistently give them to Artie and Mercedes, who carry yep, yep. every group number. Yes. 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 Yep. And Rachel, so, everything handed to her anyway. Like, how did she carry the group? What did What did she do? She. Mm-hmm. she I mean, she she's talented, yeah. And of course, her voice and everything. Yeah. Well, she did write the song. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, no, my this goes into uh, it's, again. I don't need to be brandy about uh, this wonderful episode, but um, I, I can't stand that they have Rachel, you know, get all of the things, and then when Blaine gets things because of fandom uh, flack, they get throw in lines like, "Oh, I didn't," you know, "everything always happens to me," and "everything always good happens," you know, and Blaine gets these fourth wall breaks, which is condescending to his character, and I'm like, that's not fair. Why are you, like, you don't give everything to Blaine? It's a technique fact, that they used in successive seasons that I, I don't think worked very well, no, and they should have stopped that. <laughs> um, well, they were trying to appease unhappy people, but, it, but it, you know, right, I'm but, sorry, it pissed other ones off. But when, when you write a show by committee, things like that happen, and that shouldn't have happened, but it's a, it's a consequence of it, and I think was... Um, indicative of again the writing it by committee trying to appease too many people trying to be everything to everyone and not having personally, a, a singular vision that they might have had I, earlier on yeah i think they spent too much time on the internet too oh, i don't 100%. know why i mean i understand listen to listening to you know certain critiques and i get that but if, when you are trying to appease every single fan base um, and, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy, and everyone's going to get pissed off anyway, so just do whatever the heck you want. Right. The there's is, there's the a difference is, between having a focus group and having Twitter. Well, right. I'm afraid if they just did every, every they want, they'd be watching a show about shoe. But everywhere you go looking for writing advice, it always says that, like, if you're, if you're writing stuff and you're putting it out there for other people to read, don't go looking for, like, stuff on the Internet. Don't look yeah. at it. Get the reviews right. or anything, because... Uh, you know, just finish writing the story first and then put it out there and then you can look mm-hmm. at reviews, but not where you're writing right. it because it's exactly. bad writing. And you, that's you've got to write the story that you believe in and that you yeah. feel and it, not writing the one that people are telling you to write in the middle of it because it's going to be 400 different opinions. Exactly. And you can't add in all 400 different opinions or else you end up with something that's not mess. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they gave Rachel consistency, but her she's got no character arc. Yeah. No, she doesn't. No, I do think it, I do think a little bit in season five, her having to react to Finn's death, I, I think yeah, sure. it gave her something to work with. But I think Kurt got the better end of that storyline. Not that there should be any good out of that storyline, but, you know, if you know what I mean. Well, Kurt has things that he has to conquer. I mm-hmm. mean, whether that's within himself or in the exterior or in work or in school. I mean, he has battles that he is fighting. He has Mm -hmm. setbacks. He has things that go well and go poorly. And he has a chance to conquer and emerge victorious. And that's what makes an interesting story. When you have nothing that you're fighting against, it doesn't make for for anything more interesting than a one-shot. And Kurt has a whole universe. Yes. Yes. He's got... He's got outside activities. He's got a family. Mm-hmm. He's got all kinds of stuff. Well, Rachel, like, she just shows up at school and things and worries about Finn, and that's it. We yeah. never see her at home. We never see her with their parents. We don't see anything beyond just this little performer that they trot out from time to time. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a disservice to this character who could be real. We get so much more Rachel when they finally go to New York because she incurred her home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I have my own issues with the New York stuff in the early yeah, there's, yeah. There's, yeah. But, but still. I always yeah. feel bad for Rachel, and, you know, hashtag Glee Hates Girls, but I do think that they, they, like, they made Quinn very one note with a lot of stuff, 
Which Quinn is, in my opinion, not a main character. She's a secondary character. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they struggled and, just as much with Rachel. Mm-hmm. They did. You know? Well, and I do. I travesty. It is a travesty what they do with Mercedes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's like just like one more step away from what these you know white dudes are used to writing. Yeah, right. that's what I was going to say. Um, you know, as much as I don't think it was that they hated their female characters, I think they didn't know how to write. I don't think that. I, mean, I don't think they sense. see women as having universal experiences. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're yeah. trying to they're trying to write a lady experience totally. instead of just saying that you know heartbreak and struggle and these things that you're fighting with are universal experiences and writing mm-hmm. it like that. It's like, well, what does the lady brain feel like it could struggle with? Right. I know. I mean, they struggled with Finn too. They made Finn real fucking boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As time went on. Sorry, Finn. But also, Poor like man. one of the struggles that Rachel gets is that she fights with Quinn over a boy. And it's like, if I never have to see that storyline anywhere again, it's too soon. It's just, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's, that's the storyline that we always go back to. Why can't we have them have a, like, why, why can't a girl have a struggle that's not a boy? Right. That would be so great, yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, when I, when I first started, I mean, some of these characters have really grown on me. Mercedes is definitely one of them, but... When I first watched the show, the person I related to the most was Kurt, and I couldn't relate to any of the girls on the first run. I just, yeah. nothing about them was me. Yeah. And that includes Emma and some of the other adult characters, and it's like, I, I, you know, I couldn't, but, you know, Kurt being this character who is, because Ryan Murphy really knew how to write him, you know, you get this universal appeal. And it's a shame they, they couldn't kind of figure that out with a lot of the female characters. Right. Not that people don't, you know, relate to them. They do, but just it's not as universal as some of the male characters are. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Well, getting back to the end of this. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where we are. We're at the end. Okay. <laughs> we're at the um, we're at the funeral scene, and we get the little casket that's been bedazzled. And I think this is the only time Kurt actually bedazzles anything, even though it's in every fic ever. Um, but how great is that casket? I mean, that's a oh, it's that's, that's a solidly wonderful casket. He did a good job. And it's time for the bird funeral. Oh, and, and now we know where Pavarotti is in this scene. Yes, he's been taken out of the freezer and finally given the send off that he deserves. You know what I just am realizing? The casket's getting buried. That's a gravestone for Pavarotti that he bedazzled too. Yeah. 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 You don't do things by halves. No. No. If there's an no. option for sparkle, there should be sparkle. But how many times does he wear sparkles in his own outfit? He wanted that New Directions jean jacket. That thing was ugly, but covered <laughs> in sparkles. <laughs> also, his prom wasn't it, his prom queen thing was supposed to have like it had studs. He, he has a lot of studs. He's a little tougher than just sparkles. Yeah. I mean, he sometimes will sparkle himself. It's true. I uh, I don't doubt that that boy uses a lot of body glitter when the time. I I mean there. I feel like 2016 Kurt would totally be down with this highlighter trend that's going on right now. He'd <laughs> highlight the fuck out of his collarbone. That's true. He'd be like, "What lights hit me? Boom, boom, <laughs> yeah. boom!" Yeah. I'm I just this bitch. There, you know, just thinking about the, you know, you can't just have tan hands or whatever, <laughs> and just. Blaine, like, we always talk about judgy Kurt, but there is such a thing as judgy Blaine and watching Kurt do his morning routine. Blaine has an aesthetic, and you do not fuck with it. No. (laughs) How 
much do I love the tan hands. I mean, it's it's oh. one of the best comments. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because thing you know something else is tan, too. So, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean parts of Kurt? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why do I have Tanner there? Oh, I remember. <laughs> Wait, is, hey Blaine, does this one look a little darker to you? <laughs> uh, so, glittery casket. <laughs> and it's supposed to be a sad moment, guys. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, which I guess reminds Kurt of his mom's funeral. Well, it does it now, home. Blaine. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an inappropriate comment, but it's so funny. Yeah. I mean... Like, does does this bird for you remind you of your mom? It's like, yeah. But I just really wanted to win. Like, of course you did. But, but maybe it also did because it was just him and one person that he really loves, and they hold hands. Yeah, I don't think it was meant to be a funny comment. Cute I, tears. That, when, I hadn't thought about it like that. God damn it. <laughs> I think it was meant to be a little more sincere. and, and yeah. Well, that's yeah. not how I read it the first time, but it's certainly how I'm reading it now. <laughs> oh. Well, there goes. Um, and I know, like, Kurt is all about, you know, I don't want to perform in gaps. I want to actually, like, you know, sing at nationals. And I wanted to win. But I I don't think it, Kurt's unhappy about the, the trophy line where he's like, where Blaine says, um, you know, we got each other out of this and that's better than the trophy. And Kurt does smile at that. Of course he, he does, because that's the whole story of him and Rachel. He gets a re- he gets a relationship out of it, and she gets a fucking trophy. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me so mad that no one cares. <laughs> I care. I mean, like that in the Glee universe, that like people don't try it. Oh. Kurt tries to love her, but they end just making him like a side character, like her sidekick, and that's not appropriate yeah. for me. His, she's his. He's her best gay. Come on. That's true. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we all make grumbly, angry noises. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is the best gay. Sure. Um, but yeah no i i love this little moment and because blaine is so like he i i kind of love that blaine doesn't care he's like yeah we lost but i got you and i'm so happy now that i figured this all out because blaine has a hard eye puppy (laughs) and yeah the the hand imagery is something that's kind of big in season two for kirk because there's the song, and there's him holding Bert's hand, and here and later in um, New York, he'll hold Rachel's hand, and they do a close-up of it, and it's kind of like, you know. That's a lot of it, yeah. I don't know what I can really pull out of it other than that it's a repetitive imagery that they're purposely doing. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Bert has people that care about him. He does, yeah. They walk off into the sunset together. <laughs> Live happily ever after. Oh. But it's also, I think a lot of people always try to kind of make that go along with a baby penguin image, but I don't yeah. really think that goes together. I think it's more of a support thing, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because Kurt started off as this extremely lonely character with no mm-hmm. friends. Well, and no and it's that sort of intimate touch, and not intimate in the way of, you know, like, in the bedroom, but it's... It's personally intimate, and he's having yeah. that that kind of support, and it's like that person is there for him that, at the beginning, he didn't feel like he had. Yeah. Right. And so he's yeah. getting people who want to go off on it with him, and it's like you know I am here by you 
I'm with you. I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to walk into hell together. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting this this episode ends with, you know, a funeral and kind of them saying goodbye to Pavarotti because this is the end of the dolphin arc and and Kurt's ready to come home after this and I don't know, it's kind of sad. But time to move on to the next stage of our lives, I guess. <sighs> so, yeah, guys, we we reached the end of original song. Hours later. <laughs> so if anybody's still with us, thanks. <laughs> sure they are. If anybody has something new to say, though. <laughs> but I don't think we talked about Loser Like Me very much, but, you know. Boring. Right. <laughs> I love that song. What? It's a great song. Do you know what I really like? Um, I, I'm not, like, crazy about it. I just... Don't hate it. I um, mean, yeah, it's not that cool. I'm kidding. <laughs> have you ever heard the full the, the full version of it though? Has this ridiculous like cheer in the middle of it? Oh yeah. L O S E R. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> I think I missed that, and I don't think I'm missing anything by missing that. You have no. convinced me to never listen to that song again. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm giving you too. You know what? One of my favorite things that come out of uh, fandom is the um, like Disney Channel esque uh, theme music. So that put, so they used "Loser Like Me" and they put clips of season two as if it was an opening title sequence. Yes, and I yes. love that. It was so awesome. I do remember that. That is fantastic. So. I wish somebody would do, like, an updated version where they do all of the seasons or something, because that would be so cool. Yeah, and then a sequel. Like, in a yeah. show, and, and mm, maybe some people... Like if anybody's looking for creative ideas, here you go. <laughs> Alright, guys. Well, if that's that, then we, we kind of have to wrap up this little party. And... Aww. Say so long, well, farewell, well, yeah. Avita Zang, good night. I wish I had a really good ending for this particular episode, but... Buy the kiss, something. stow the kiss, throw the confetti and make a gift. I mean, we can just end it with that. <laughs> Isn't the end of it by Menon? By Menon. Yes. By Menon. <laughs> yeah. That's the episode. <laughs> Cut the <to> black. <laughs> Will be suspicious. Look My brother will be there at the door. Waves upon the tropical shore. My name is Oh, 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 I want some more. Oh, oh, what are you waiting for? Take a bite of my heart Disabilities blend you out past will lead or cease. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this no. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong in all the right ways. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. This could be the end of everything. Someone only go somewhere only. Three.